You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hey, this is Henare from the United Empire. You're listening to the Okada Shorts Podcast. Crowns up, boy! So, Curtis, I just found out some pretty fucking extreme news. Extreme news? Extreme news. You know, like when you see like one of your heroes really just fall from grace, that kind of thing, you're like, oh, fuck, how, how has it come to this is oh, how no. I'm left feeling. And I just got a message from my friend that boy band superstars five are touring Australia but they're playing in Perth at the Rosemount Hotel, which is a tiny bar like my band used to play in. How are they going to do any choreographed dance moves on that tiny stage? <laughs> I thought you were talking about somebody we like getting cancelled or something. I was. Well, I was that, well that's the worried. way the mind goes, and I knew that's what you'd be thinking, or you'd be thinking like a, a you know a knee injury is finally taken down a harshy out, or something bad has Don't happened to somebody. Don't you even put that into the fucking atmosphere it will never fucking happen golden knees bitch he'll be fine but i don't understand what are they doing an acoustic set i just don't understand how it's going to work it's very confusing to me this is a boy band you're talking about it's five bro some in sync level backstreet yeah it's same era you don't know who five are no homie serious Are are they australian no I think they're American what? or UK. Hang on. Let me hit Get you with out it. Of here. Don't worry. I got you. I got you. Just going to give you a quick kick, kick up taste. the jams. Let's go here. See if you can hear this real quick. We've got some kind of motorcycle intro. This is sick. Oh, really? This is a major anticlimax for everybody but me and the listeners. Woo! 
I am enjoying watching you. Uh, I'm just going to straight up like mute Curtis and me and the listeners are vibing. Oh, wait, that, that actually mutes. If I mute you, it mutes five as well. That's a real fucking shame. Oh. All right. Well, you're going to have to Google that in your own time. Everybody at home's like, fucking Curtis, what a loser. But, um, yeah, anyway, that is a real shame. They sing that song. You know what? If you're getting down, baby. You know that one? Come on. Nope. Oh, fuck. Oh, well. Anyway, I've derailed the show immediately. Tell everybody who we are. <laughs> <laughs> Two assholes on the internet with opinions about pro wrestling. Yeah, and boy bands, apparently. <laughs> and boy bands, apparently. Yeah. Well, welcome to the show, everybody. I'm your good friend, Curtis Spears. That right there, that's your bad friend, Rafe Houston. What up? We are the International Wrestling Grand Prix, the King of Shorts, the Okada Shorts podcast, the Kings of Pod style. Mm-hmm. And he, we are here to talk to you today about the fact that I won the G1 during contest. Let's go. Is that what happened? I don't really remember it that way. I'm not really sure. Oh, I remember. That's in the past. Why are we just wallowing around in the past, like talking about things that have happened? That was like a week ago. It's not even a big deal. (laughs) Yes, this whole G1 review is going to be you going, "Ah, that's in the past. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I will say, though, that it, it was interesting using that system, I think, because when just having those little you know, teams each, the team of four where we had to pick, it really slimmed down the field really fast. But still at the end, we still ended up with two people that were would require the plus 10 points of the win to actually win the tournament. So Curtis won I by 10 points, 10 points. But him and him, Amy turned out like completely tied because Okada and Naito essentially ran the same race, you know? I think I think the plus 10 points was too much. Mm. Maybe, you know, like, I mean, maybe it was, it should be closer to like plus five points or something like yeah, that. Yeah, because it, because it had it gone no the other way where it. somebody had like, say at one point I was really quite far ahead. So I'd maintain that lead. It would ha- give you the ability, you know, if you were nine points behind to still win. But I mean, this I, is, I mean, if you win the G1 though, you win the G1. So I kind of understand it. I think next year, if we do it, I, I may revert to the original way. I kind of like picking the entire tournament in advance and then just watching your world crumble around you. Like I feel like that leads to way more insanity like when we've done it before where it's like I've gone through, I've predicted everything based around where I think it's going to go and then New Japan just fucks up your life and you're like, wow, I have no idea about wrestling. This was really hard. Well, I I, I think that it's – my time to announce that I'm going to retire from the, the G1. Oh, now's the time to tick it off. I'm get retiring, out. Yeah. Top of the hill. Retire on top. You know, yeah, that makes sense. Retire on top. That makes sense. No, uh, let's go through the final scores. Uh, <laughs> we had at the bottom, <laughs> the dude who barely even watches New Japan, Travis, coming Slash in at 20 points. Doesn't really at all. Um, he, yeah, he was unfortunately eliminated like as as we hit the elite eight because he's sort of elite tier wrestler. He chose Kaito, uh, who obviously didn't Ooh. get out of the block. Who we all agree that was a great choice, and I think we probably all agree that Kaito should should have got into that elite eight. But he's no, he doesn't go here. You know what I mean? He's not from this company. So at the end of the day, it's not going to happen. Also, I was surprised you know we didn't say see a I'm little. Say it on, I haven't said it on the show. I'm going to say, say it, it here. It. Kaito Kiyomiya is bitch made. Yeah. Fuck Kaido Kiyomiya. 
Oh, what? He doesn't what? even go here. Oh, he doesn't you're, even you're, go you're here. You're on that gay kid, Gabe kid fucking thing. Like, yo, fuck pro wrestling Noah. Fuck Kaito. <laughs> that kind of vibe. Oh, you just muted yourself, homie. I can't hear your tirade anymore. I don't know why I did that. I yeah. must have been so fucking excited. He was so angry. He, he, there were so himself. many swear words I could see coming out of his mouth and that he had to mute himself because <laughs> he was out of line. No, nah, dude, like that, that, the, the whole thing, the whole thing is Kaido out here picking a fight with Okada. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, he was pretty good, I guess. He don't need to be picking no fight with fucking Okada. Fucking calm yourself down. Mm -hmm. You go pick a fucking fight with like Hiromu or something. Yeah. Maybe then, you know, you could play to some play, you know, go pick a fight with fucking Bushi. You go pick a fight with fucking pimp. You know, you go pick a fight with someone your own fucking speed. Mm. Get your ass back to the fucking green mat because you don't fucking go to Cerulean Blue, son. Yeah. And until you are, we don't want to talk about it, bitch. That's right. Yeah. He's like, but he did do like, really like well. But I love that attitude. I love that energy. And I think we should keep coming with that for anybody that wants to come to fucking New Japan and talk that shit. I'm looking at you, Eddie Kingston. That's right. My fucking boy, Hanare, stomped that motherfucker out the second he fucking thought he was celebrating his tour. Sorry, bitch. Good night. Streets of Rage. See ya. That was great. Dude, fucking how how about Hanare? Just like, can, can we, I mean, is he your MVP of the C block? Who, Hanare? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I've actually got I, – I made up a, a couple of little questions that I want to ask you and your uh, – and our guest, which is going to – who's going to make a run-in in about two minutes. Uh, oh, so, and, and then we can kind of go through that um, as well, like who our MVPs are and stuff for the tournament. So, oh, Okay, okay, okay. We'll get to that. So should I just go back to ragging on fucking Kaito Kimi? No, 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 no. Well, let's um, <laughs> we can talk about it a little bit. I do absolutely think he was the MVP of C Block, um, and I think, I mean, I mean, we'll talk about it in more detail. But maybe one of the people to sort of pull the most out of the tournament, like you've seen the most evolution from him. I I think it's probably absolutely. Fair, fair to say. Yeah, I was I was saying I was saying on the G Wonderings. Uh, I think this is his final form. I think he's finally leveled up to the point where we see the, his entire character. We see the the roots that he had as a young lion, those native roots, mm -hmm. to the next level. Yeah, we see the ass kicker that he was as the ultimate weapon in in United Empire mm -hmm. to the next level. Yeah, we're seeing the fight sport background to the next level. Like this is this is what Aaron Hanare is mm -hmm. as a complete wrestler. And I, I think that that's fucking fantastic, dude. I love that. Yeah, I completely I agree. It. I absolutely agree. No, it's really awesome. So let's just hit some broader strokes then until um, we get this the, this music hits and the, the glass shatters. Um, how are your overall vibes? Let's just talk G Wondering specifically. How did you enjoy the four-block situation and recording it like um, – like this this year, like fitting it into your life. How did you feel about it? Oh, uh, man, uh, there was a lot. There was a lot going on there. Like everyone, I don't know anyone who's up watching every episode, like as they're as they're going live. You know, I mean, there are there are fucking perverts out there 
that will yeah. do it, but I can't, I can't be, I work nights. I'm asleep at 9am when the fucking show starts, Yeah, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I can't be, I can't be watching fucking this, but it's fun to get on and watch the shows when I can. Like I had to watch all of the, uh, all of the, the elite eight, the final four and the finals. I had to watch those live. I can't, I can't not, you know, watch something that special live. I ha- yeah. I love feeling that. I love hopping in like Super J's Discord and fucking seeing all the the absolute perverts in there uh, and watching them doing their thing. Like, I, I love that. I love watching Twitter explode when something fucking wild happens. Mm-hmm. I love that shit. Yeah. I love it so much. Yeah, that's it. I, I think um, this year felt a little less taxing for me because I, I feel like the balance of the tournament was really well and just with the way my job changed, able to just, like, record in my van and stuff, and that probably led to some pretty shit audio quality, but, hey, at least <laughs> I got it out, right? That's true. That's yeah. true. We got it out. I mean, we, I think we both ended up a little bit – we ended up in some weird places on G1 during this year. Yeah. I like – the one thing I liked about – g1 this year is that we did have set block nights again uh last year when we were trying to record and we were just having like seven random fucking like two from block b one from block d three from block c and uh two from block a. yeah i hated that like, i fucking <laughs> hated it i it was, was that was shit and i fucking really disliked it so yeah. i'm glad that because like it allowed me to really watch the C and D blocks with a, like a laser focus mm-hmm. and then just sit back and just enjoy a and B. Yeah. You know, so. absolutely. I, 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 think- I completely felt the same about C and D. Cause I was like, not that I'm really the king of analysis as it is, but I felt like Curtis has got this. I don't really need to be remembering any of this or doing any of this. I can just, you know, sort of enjoy it. And these are the nights off kind of thing. So I feel like that worked well. And, and like the fact that it's like, okay, you know, one night, night off, one night, night off, balance really well. But, hey, I think I can hear something. So I think we're going to pause this conversation and we might uh, hear from somebody real quick. One moment. All right, the breaking glass, the music has hit and we've actually had a run in, a podcast run in the first of Okada's shorts. I can't believe it. We work stiff, have hit the ring. What is going on, Josh and Dave? Holy shit. Yeah, we're doing a We work shorts. <laughs> it's an invasion angle. Yes, yeah. exactly. A, a good one. Yeah. When uh, inevitably half of us give this up, the remaining half can form a new show and it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that Rafe? Did you just say that you were gonna give up on me? You s- look, I'm I'm holding on a by a thread just to my fucking general not. life, so I can't, I can't promise anything about podcasting. I mean, this could be the stiff shorts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's even better. That is even better. <laughs> it was, we'll workshop it. Yeah. You know, it exactly. there, there's artwork now, waiting one, to when happen. One is working, when one is working stiff, mm-hmm. do you do you both have to keep your socks on? Is that a thing? Because <laughs> I hear that's prison rules. You both have to keep your socks on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm socked no, off. The answer is no. Oh, no. okay then. Well, there you go. Myth debunked, Curtis. Yeah. All right. So yeah. the Shorts Boys, uh, the Shorts Boys, that's us. The Stiff Boys have actually been nice enough to give up their time. I don't even know where we end and they begin, to be honest. Um, 
yeah. have given up their time to come hang out with us a little bit because the G1 just ended. We all had an awesome time. Curse and I nearly drove ourselves insane doing episodes about it constantly. Meanwhile, yeah, congratulations over- on that. <laughs> It was two years, two years running. It's been harder in the past, but it still, it still like really sometimes hits you. You know, like uh, I was definitely as I got towards the end, like hitting that real flat burnout mode where I'm like, guess I don't fucking care about this guy. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> all life, all life, life in general, yeah, exactly. everything. Yeah, yeah. Just, it's just all. I just don't really yeah. give a fuck anymore. Like yeah, I had that some nice existential phase. That yeah. You get. About nine sixteen. Yeah. Where you're like, I don't even know what's going on. I was messaging Curtis at like three thirty in the morning, just wide awake, fucking pissed off about Hikaleo being in the fucking elite eight. <laughs> 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 yeah, that and that's uh, how sad my that. life that's, had become. <laughs> let's talk about that because that's probably the biggest shock to come out of the G one. Oh. I mean, we can talk. I think A block is the shock block, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you had three musketeers do. Almost nothing. You had Kaito Kiyomiya lay a wet fucking fart in the entire G1. And then you had Hikaleo, of all people, come out and look like a fucking stud at the end. Like, what the fuck happened with the A block? I feel like I feel like we work stiff have not heard your fucking Kaito tirade. And though the listeners are going <laughs> to fucking, they only heard half of it because you muted yourself. So let's just go ahead and just let everybody have it. Why you have to say what you have to say about Kiyomiya. Kaito Kiyomiya is bitch made. <laughs> the, the, uh, the attack on Okada, everyone was like, Oh God, this dude is going to come out here and they're going to fucking, they're going to roll. We're going to get Okada and Kiyomiya at the fucking dump. No, 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 no. Kiyomiya is a punk, dude. He got punked out by Okada the first time because he's not on that fucking level. The dude needs to go and pick a fight with fucking Chase Owens. The dude needs to go (laughs) and pick a fucking fight with with Gato or Jado or like him and Tongaloa can go fucking fight. He doesn't deserve Okada. Okay, like I mean, if this this fucking sh- dude, his own fucking company, fucking Green Mat doesn't respect him either. You've never seen Kaito Kiyomiya get punked out, like you saw him get punked out with by Okada. He got fucking punked out in his own company by his own mentor. Did y'all ever see the fucking the the match where fucking yeah yeah uh, like no knees ass fucking Keiji Mudo beat him and then shook his hand. I was like, you did good kid. Fuck off. Get out of my ring. Like, <laughs> nobody gives a shit about Kaito Kiyomiya. Like, but that's, we can that's all the say, oh, essential we... getting punked out by, by Muto is the essential first step towards IWGP championship. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long play. This is this is there's, there's a history of this. There's going. a history. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a Sonata run. It's going to take 12 years. It may involve an impact run, but he will get there. He's he's a punk, and like that peacock jacket he comes out with is fucking dumb as shit. I don't know why he chose to. Like he chose to look like fucking sea kelp when he comes out. That's that's where he, that's where he went. Like Sonata comes out, looks like a ghost pirate, and he comes out and he looks like fucking he. He looks like the Great Barrier Reef. Get out of here. Fuck him. <laughs> well, there you go. You guys got the full serving. From this, is, this is the point in the show we point when the Noah fans <laughs> in Curtis's direction. <laughs> yeah. hey, look, hey, look at us. There's, there's going to be no Noah fans listening to this. I don't have Twitter anymore. To Come me. at me. Who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, thank you. No, I'll <laughs> say I've, 
I've run on this on this show off about fucking Noah many times talking about like my deep and you know unfathomably unfathomably deep love for Kenta. But like man, Noah just ain't it, son. Like there's so many dudes in Noah that I'm like, yo, please jump ship. Please jump ship. Chris Ridgeway getting fucking like no play in Noah. Dude needs to just go ahead. Come on over. Come on over to the blue. Let's go. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. No one of values getting any play in Noah at the moment. That's the problem. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Like they got what, Nakajima jobbing out in the fucking N1. Like, what's that about? That dude is super compelling when he was in a New Japan landscape. Yeah. It is, yes, he was. Well, uh, i got to say that it's a good thing that I don't follow or give a fuck about it because it makes it a lot easier to feel good about when people like Kimiya come in. And I, I personally think, I mean, make all the, the mis- uh, jokes you want about <laughs> bitch made and stuff like that. And also, you know, obviously, fuck no, because we're, we're New Japan fans. But I, I think he actually played like a really <laughs> great fucking p- part in the tournament. And I loved... Like the the vast majority of his matches, I, I think he'd have a great place uh, within New Japan, and I I don't think it's the last we've seen of him, obviously either. No, 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 no. no. I, he definitely will. He definitely will. He'll have some great. He'll have some great moments in New Japan ring. I, I think that him taking uh, was Oiwa under his wing is mm-hmm. fucking fantastic. Um, I mean that just shows what they want to do with Oiwa because I mean. Like, who was the last uh, big name young lion that you can really remember going over to Noah for a couple of uh, for a couple of tag matches? I mm. remember Okada mm. getting the shit chopped out of him by uh, Kenta Kobashi when he was still a young lion tag teaming mm. over in fucking Noah. So, I mean, like, it's it's got to be that level mm-hmm. when they're taking Oiwa over to Noah to let him do some tag stuff. That's cool as shit, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yep. All right. So, yeah, how, do, yeah. how do we want to break this down, guys? Do you want to – do you guys want to go – just have a general block discussion, ABCD. Do you think that's good, or do you want to just do overarching threads that we we're all excited about? Like, what, what do you want to stuff do? Stuff that should have been taken care of before we got on the. No, call. that's not really my style. I think you guys know that well enough that I just start talking and we just see where that's we it. end up. Yeah. Look, yeah, I I don't I don't mind. We we normally if if we're we're anything if not the stream of consciousness podcast. Where that's we what I love about it. You just flow. You know what? This sounds like a great segue to tell everybody who the fuck you are, since we didn't do it. So if Oh, you guys smart. don't listen to We Work Stiff. What do you guys do? Because you're one of my favorite podcasts. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, yes, well, my name is Josh. I'm Dave. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are, I guess, We Work Stiff. We're a, we're a New Japan character and storytelling podcast. That's how we like to frame it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, explain what we do is a tricky space. I think we... Uh, you know, New Japan podcasting landscape is, I think, is in a really good sort of space at the moment with a, you know, pretty much each sort of podcast is a pretty identifiable approach to the way that they do this sort of stuff. And I guess we sort of fill the void of, uh, you know, the pretentious story <laughs> driven podcasts, right? That's us. I love it. You guys are about um, the, the finer details. You guys are always looking for story beats. You're, you're looking for the little details. Yeah, we're looking. We look for, you know, famously, we always talk about it. We look for fucking head nods or slight slight glances in a certain direction or, a, you know, a bump that looks a bit off or whatever. We're kind of looking for things that might be the seed of a story or a partnership between guys or whatever and then use those to try to sort of 
predict where things can go. Extrapolate. Yeah. We play in the subtle. Yeah. So uh, sometimes it means uh, that, you know, we come off sounding, you know, very pretentious, which, you know, I, I we are. Yeah. And then other times... <laughs> Happy to wear that hat proudly. <laughs> yep. it's, it's, our, it's, it's an identif- identifiable trait, Dave. Uh, but in, in other times, it leads to like the Sonata core, which is we sort of, since that discussion about Sonata becoming champ uh, and sort of looking at the transition from him to just five guys, that sort of arc that we did on the show, mm-hmm. that sort of led to, a, 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 I guess, a greater uh, ingratiation into the community. I think we've got you know, a lot more listeners to come on board and we've got sort of, I think some people have at least recognising, oh, these fellas might not be, uh, they might not, they might know something about what they're talking to. So um, that's basically what we do and we like to play the, that part in the, the broader landscape. Yeah. You have a changing landscape of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think you do it really well. It's something that like I, I mean, I started doing a podcast because I don't really have that many friends that are interested in wrestling, you know. And so when I would watch New Japan and watch these little details and things like that, I would sort of say them offhandedly to my wife and my friend that would watch with me and nobody really cared. You know, they were sort of <laughs> for the matches just me <laughs> fucking talking into the ether. So I quite enjoy your guys' podcast because you just get to say all the shit that I'm sort of thinking a lot of the time, you know, because when I look at – New Japan, it's what I want to see. I want to see that character development. I want to see those stories play out. And I was saying how, like, the G1 was a bit of a burnout for me. And you know what made that sort of end? It was coming back to the multi-man tags, like, in that last night. And quite often, especially when there's a lot of matches going on and important matches and all that kind of stuff, I'll skip all that stuff. But on that last night, I just sort of watched the whole show. We were home and doing stuff anyway. And I was like, that's right. This is what I love about New Japan. I love the interactions between these guys. I love the character. I love the things that they do. And it, it sort of just was a an entire palate cleanser for me as far as like the tournament go, where most people would be like, I'm just there for the singles matches. So I sort of just really yeah. enjoyed those tags on last night. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we always talk about it. Like if you bother to invest in um, what is seemingly on the surface – kind of just matches with the multi-mans and that sort of thing. So much story comes from those interactions. You get to see interactions that maybe aren't, aren't uh, prolific feuds or they, and then they lead to different things. And then, all, of course, you get to see guys pin champions and that leads to title matches and, yeah. uh, you know, a, potential uh, faction feuds and different things. So. An unexpected gene blast, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we all have one of them. You're 13, you're dreaming, you're having a really good dream, you know, and you're, you're a little bit young. You, you know, gene blast, that's when it happens. Before yeah, yeah. yeah, when I was younger, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> all right then. Well, let's, um, let's just jump into – Maybe we can use these questions that I've stolen off Twitter and we'll kind of work it out and we'll use that as our framing method to generate some discussion here. So let's go one by one and let's uh, we'll start with whichever of the stiff boys wants to jump in first. Let's go block A, your MVP. Oh, okay, Dave, you go first. And... Uh, yeah, so all my, uh, my boy through the whole tournament has been gay kid. Mm-hmm. Um, Hell yes. And we sort of do for our G1 stuff, we do a draft. There's three of us red jumps on for those podcasts. Mm-hmm. And then we have teams of like we have 10 guys each and then there's two injury reserves. Mm-hmm. 
And I reached for Gabe Kidd for my second pick overall and took him because I was just curious about him in that lock because of the three musketeers and the champ being there and then the and even the Chase Owens of it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was curious about what he was going to look like because I was I really liked um, the tag stuff that, that they were doing and this War Dogs angle and that's been one of the best things sort of in the last few months for me. Sure. And we highlighted his kind of tag league last year when they weren't winning much. We were like, this Gabe Kid dude, there's something about him. Um and then to get this version through this joining under David Finley's Bullet Club, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I was very excited about that. So, and he delivered in uh, every way I'd hoped, and many, many other ways. Yeah. Would you uh, Would you yeah. say that he's actually your MVP for the entire tournament, or or just just stay? So, I mean, certainly the block stages for me, he was the most compelling figure to sort of. You know, the guy that I always wanted to watch, I wouldn't miss a match whether he was first or sort of in the middle or whatever. I just was like, I've got to watch Gay Kids on tonight. I've got to watch tonight's show yeah. and see it live because something's crazy. Although I did miss the Suji one live. Mm. Yeah. Um, That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. He was fucking rad, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love the chaos. You know? Yeah, yeah. He, he was awesome. I would say that for a he'd be my MVP as well. Um, I, I told the story on one of my G wonderings about uh, him receiving the famous Amy 180, which is my wife hating somebody and then immediately loving them. And mm. nothing makes me enjoy wrestling more than, <laughs> than watching her turn on a dime and be all about somebody. And just, you know, how big an impact he made in some of those matches and just with the brawling stuff and changing it up every time. And like, just like, smart enough to like put the belt on his shoulder and get a photo with it and things like that, you know, like I feel like yeah. he, he really showed a lot of character and really broke out in this, this tournament. And especially in a block, I, I feel like his actual character and personality shone in a huge way. I think, I think the way you, that you put it during one of your G wonderings was the best way to put it. You put it, you gave him on the RuPaul scale, you know, he, he did it. Yeah, he had the uniqueness. He had the uniqueness. He had the nerve, and he had the talent. Yeah, you could baby. see it all there. I mean, obviously, everyone in the in the company there has the talent. Some of them a little more than others, mm-hmm. but um, you know that weird charisma that he's got, where he's pissed off, and you you know where he's coming from because you can you can feel the frustration, mm-hmm. the uniqueness in that he's he's doing something that no one no one else is doing this time. He's coming out and he's you know doing these attacks and stuff like that from behind and he's changing it up every time. So he may be doing the same trope, doing it differently. Mm-hmm. So like he's realizing what worked and adding to it. He he went aliens on alien. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So like he 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 took what worked and, and did the next thing. And then he had the nerve. He came out there and he was saying some he was saying some shit. <laughs> like I mean, he he made right a from joke the start, about how, from like, the press conference and shit, jumping tables and stuff. Like he, he came in hot, calling women in the crowd bitches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. That's what I, I I love a heel like that, where I'm like, look, he's gonna walk the cancellation line. It's gonna happen. He's gonna say something one time. It's gonna get him trouble. Yeah, but it's not out of malice. It's just out of that that sort of yearning to discern himself as distinct in the presentation so it's like you want those guys that are going to like mm-hmm. get close to touching the rail you know like that's the type of character that he presents and if you want that kind of 
throwback to. I mean, I, I, I made a comparison to Stan Hansen during the, the G1 in terms of he just has this feel like when he turns up, shit's going to go down. Yeah, people are going to fear him when he comes to the Yeah, ring. get out of the, the way. The crowd's going to be scared of him. And that's you what you want. Distinction. That's when he, when he goes to the crowd, they move versus yeah. when you see even evil doing it, they don't. They don't scatter the way they do with Kid because he's established that he's a dangerous man. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, New Japan and Japanese pro wrestling as a whole has relied upon that trope. Yeah. Uh, and it's sort of I'm like, yes, bring it back. This is the guy. And yeah. he's... Yeah, I've, I enjoyed his stuff a lot. I really thought he was great as well. Absolutely, I, I do. I do love uh, seeing him. Him being the Stan Hansen, and then you have uh, Alex Coglin kind of being the uh, Bruiser Brody of the bunch, spinning his belt around his head. Mm-hmm. You know, doing the same exact thing. So we've got like our own little miracle power with the War, war Dogs. So that's <laughs> fucking sweet. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So does anybody else have another answer for A Block, or are we sort of in agreement as a team that Ooh. that he was probably the MVP Ooh. there? Oh, it's down to you, Josh. I, I can – oh, what? Oh, Dave. Look at Dave. You're not allowed to pick anyone other than Gabe. You didn't talk about anybody other than Gabe. <laughs> oh, look, I, I talked a lot about Kaito. I know. That's who yeah. I'm going to take as MVP. Just to, I talked to, a lot about Kaito. <laughs> you did. And I'm going to explain why I think he was the MVP of A Block. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of it's in relation to um, the role that he had to play. Now, granted, we can debate whether that's a role that's fitting of him as an outsider coming in representing Noah. Mm-hmm. But in that A block where you had those three musketeers who are all working to discern their identity at this point in terms mm-hmm. of their character and trying to define who they are as and individuals. And potential foreign ace. And Gabe Kid sitting there as well, plus Hikaleo. Let's not discount Hikaleo as well in that role as sort of more of the more experienced young guy coming through, having been from a different class. If you look at just match by match, and I'm not the match guy, this will be established as we go and talk through this podcast, I'm sure. Anyone that listens to us knows. But if you're just looking at in-ring each night having to have a match where the role, the, the goal of that match, like if I say, you know, Ren Narita, right? Ren Narita's, I didn't think he had a, a great tournament. No, you know? I don't think so either. But I can tell you he had a great last block night. Mm. And you look at when Hikaleo turned the corner a bit, and I look at that versus Akaito as well. When Gabe Kidd really announced himself on the stage. Yeah. It was in that double countout versus yeah, well, Kaito Kiyomiya. Yeah, sure. Sonata's when best match. Sonata's best match. Stage, Maybe yeah. Sonata's you know best match as champ currently. You know, yeah. is in that slash that ever against- <laughs> in his life. <laughs> Settle down. And in, <laughs> but in that in that moment, it's all Kaito in that role, and I think his he put an effort in. Whether the the booking reflected it, he put an effort into that too. I'm going to get noticed. I'm going to be recognised as someone that that can work. Mm-hmm. And I think that in all of his matches, he tried very hard. And I think that there is a, we, we sort of went in and I mean, I, I sort of was a bit, I wasn't, I, I wasn't, I, I thought it wasn't going to happen in the G1, the, the Okada Kiyomiya thing. Mm-hmm. Primarily as soon as the, the blocks were announced, I know there was a lot of you know, hope slash cope that it would happen in a semifinal or such. Yeah. But I just felt like as soon as that, it, it was like preparing myself for that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I look at it and say, and I said it on our show, and mm-hmm. I think it, it holds, I came into the G1 excitedly looking forward to Okada versus Kiyomiya. I leave the G1 excitedly looking forward to Gabe Kidd versus Kaito Kiyomiya. Well, and and Kaito's potential relationship with the rest, with the three Musketeers yep. as well, moving forward, if Noah and New Japan had to continue this kind of crossover relationship that they've really sort of worked hard mm-hmm. on. 
because he's now he can now have generational rivalries in another company. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, be, I completely agree. Yeah, it'd be great for him to wrestle people his own age. You know, it's, it's something that could be. <laughs> <laughs> it's new to him. He's like, oh, what? What's happening? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can be a champion if you're under 40? <laughs> oh, my God. It really is yeah. greener on the other I, side. I think we can we can all agree that Kaito definitely does not deserve to have like a, a two two and what was it two two and two record? Yeah, yeah. Thrust yeah. upon him. Come on now. He's better than that. Everyone sees it. And I wonder if maybe that's what they were playing at with that booking. So everyone, everyone who's watching goes, This guy is so much fucking better than this. What yeah. is going on here? And, and maybe, I think that you're right. Yeah, there might be. I'll just just to add on that. You might be thinking in relation to like literacy in relation to say Noah. That maybe the the casual New Japan fan isn't necessarily aware of Kiyomiya's story, character presentation in a Noah context as the, this you know this this sort of prodigal you know phenom as is you know, but who struggles under the bright lights kind of story of this idea of he constantly fails against the, the more experienced guys or mm-hmm. or he struggles in the big spots. You got to introduce that story if you're going to tell that story, and perhaps they didn't trust that that people had a, a good enough understanding of Kaido Kiyomiya coming into New Japan because, I, you know, for most things I hear in Japan in particular, there isn't necessarily a lot of crossover in terms of fan understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the general fans, don't necessarily follow all the promotions; they sort of stick to their their promotions that they love. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's some part of that as well where it's like everyone knows <laughs> Kaido Kiyomiya's plight now because mm-hmm. it manifested itself in that same yeah tournament as well yeah perhaps there's something to that i I think just in general it raises his stardom in wrestling and in japan and in everything you know what i mean like it's not he may not have won the g1 but he absolutely benefited from it and i think yeah as Curtis said you can't you can't look at him and say it's a it's a it is a a solid motivator of like this guy's better than his record yeah exactly And, and that that only maximizes people's estimation of them in a lot of respects. Yeah. So and that makes them want to see him win, which is the point. Now, here's, <laughs> here's the thing. How, how long will it be that they can tell that story? Because eventually you can, sit, you can sit here and you can say, oh, no, this dude's better than this. this and, then, and then after a while you're going to start saying, no, he ain't. Like yeah. how, how long can they tell that fucking story? You know, I mean, it's been going on for, what, three or four years now with Noah so far. Yeah. Um, is, the, is there ever going to be a day that he – I say that he's he's a former GHC champion, I believe, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. like, yeah, we can say he got that he got that title run and everything like that, but he got geeked out by a fucking octogenarian. Just, uh, I don't follow like, Noah too so, much. Just tell me what's the GHC title? That's kind of like the level of like okay. say like the never, right? Like no, lower, lower than never, lower. GHC is under never world title. Got yeah, yeah. So under never. <laughs> I'm doing a bit. I'm doing. I'm doing a bit. Well, well look. <laughs> I, that's an I was like, everybody yeah. thinks I'm serious here. I need to explain that I'm a big sarcastic because yeah, I don't yeah, watch yeah. the product. But explain <laughs> the joke, <laughs> I uh, unfortunately had, you know, I, was, I had to watch Noah one time. Noah there. I had some faith in Noah there for a little while because mm. I saw Kaito versus Keno, and mm. that was the first yes. time I really, really oh. looked at Kaito closely, mm-hmm. and I was like, like, this kid is like. He's a phenom. He's unbelievable. He was doing some shit that I was like, wow, I didn't know that that was something that wrestlers did. Uh, and 
And then from there, he kind of let, Josh was like, "Don't hold your breath." Like the booking in Noah is suspect. <laughs> uh, and I and then I, I was like, I was into Nakajima. That dude just creeped me out when he was with Congo and doing the kind of weird, crazy smiles and that match that he had <laughs> in, uh, on the crossover. And yeah, it's like great stuff. And again, Josh was like, "Yeah, don't don't have faith. Don't have faith." So to have him come across to New Japan and I feel like have a really strong showing and, you know, maybe he didn't win a lot, but he's also, it's 20 minute time limit. So a couple of those are draws and then he, it's Sonata to two seconds before the bell. Mm-hmm. Which so is the champion. You, you yeah. can play the funky math and be like, you know, he was close, you know, yeah. so. I agree. I don't know. I think, I think he gets a lot more eyes on him, I say in New Japan, fans that maybe hadn't seen him in a Noah context, they're like, oh, I really like that guy. I hope he comes back. Yeah. Um, and now he's got, you know, he's got any number of uh, shooter, uh, Suji, Narita, Narita, kid he yeah. can feud with Just on the way up to, yeah. up to Okada if that's the direction they want to go. Because all of those guys, except maybe kid at this point, they're kind of like pushing the same narrative, right? Yeah. They want Okada. Mm-hmm. Even Kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Suji, yeah, 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 yeah. So Suji, Kid Suji even probably at the, Kid at the very beginning. Suji's the more targeted to press conference even, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we, uh, you know, I don't want to take up your guys' entire night, but I feel like A Block probably has the most conversation around it anyway. You have heard it, our podcast, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I remember you yeah, saying you didn't have all night, too. so I'm, I'm trying yeah. not to, to yeah. use your entire life and get into an entire thing like that. But I don't think it would be – right for any long-term listeners of both our shows for us to not talk about Sonata considering our ongoing uh, discourses about about <laughs> him and everything that, yeah, that is here. It's been a saga between all of us. Um, what, what do Who's you think? Sorry, punch. Yeah, there's, there's no punching here. We're all friends. This is an intelligent yeah. discourse. Um, yeah. What, what intelligent. do we think about his booking in this G1? Because it, it is an interesting mechanism because he has, you know, he is a relatively new champion. He hasn't had an opportunity to be super dominant yet or anything like that. So they line up all the new hopefuls in one block and have him essentially go through everybody. Well, I mean, he did go through everybody. He went through the block undefeated. So how do we feel that is in a effective sort of mechanism to make him seem like a stronger champion? I I think – this is for, for people that are perhaps listening to us for the first time. Sonata is obviously a, a long-term project of the We Work Stiff podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, even before we returned with our podcast, Sonata was always a focus. I've always been a big fan of the man mm-hmm. uh, and always hoped we'd have this opportunity to see him in this role. But I don't necessarily think that they, their goal is to book him as a strong champion per se. Mm-hmm. As much as I've, I've been working this idea and, and people can sort of have sort of jumped a bit early on it, but I sort of frame him as a transitional champion, not in the sense of a champion that's necessarily an iron sheik, but more the idea that he is to usher in a movement or a change that's happening in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And if you look at who, how, how he's been booked and who he's wrestled, like we've talked about this hero's journey arc that we've, we're very proud. We're very pleased of how this G1 went, by the way, because it's exactly as to plan. So we'll just keep going <laughs> along that direction. Evil into Naito. Oh, where have I heard that before? Yeah. But, but this, this, so that's one level, right? That's the logical revisiting his past, moving through, showing his development, right? Ultimately, hope, you know, 
in theory, to Ford and Naito at the end. But if you look at who he's actually wrestled as part of this, it, they're all unconventional you know, challenges when they were title challenges, whether it's a junior, whether it's a returning return. young lion, whether it's Jungle Boy Jack Perry. you know, from, like, Yeah, whether it's a man from a jungle, yes. Yeah, <laughs> there's all distinct characters that people would look at and say, oh, Maybe no, maybe maybe that's not. He's never been put in that's a position. That's not the traditional New Japan challenge. Yeah, yeah and it's sure. not necessarily a Matt Classic. We're expecting a five. Like he could have been given Shingo in an in instance, you know, as opposed to it, that wasn't the goal. Because if you put him against Shingo, then everyone's going to be like, we want to see more Shingo. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea, I think, is this in this this booking to put him in this position is to say, look, these are all people, young people, that are trying to claim an identity, stake a claim. Mm-hmm. They're all trying to break out and they're trying to find who they are and how they can manifest that in the way that they work. Sonata struggled with that for a decade and he's figured it out. And I sort of framed it as his booking this year was the guy that's one page ahead in the textbook. Mm-hmm. He just he doesn't have to be infinitely better than everyone. He just has to be that little bit better. Mm-hmm. And he has been that little bit better for everyone. The structure of his matches are different. That dead fall finish is different. Uh, there's a lot of parallels, I think, in the suddenness of that and Evil's finish, by the way. Mm. But there's that movement through this tournament has kind of been just to position him to ultimately fall to Evil, right? That was the goal. Like everyone's like, oh, upset, very upset that Evil's now better than all of A Block by wrestling math. You know, he he beat them, he beat them, therefore Evil is on is, top. Is that how it works? I'm not really sure that's how it works. Yeah, yeah that's, well, according to Twitter.com, that's how it that works. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is but, that how it works? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's x.com. Sorry. I, I'm, I'm sorry. No, 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 I'm sorry. X. We're, we're dead naming Twitter for the rest of our fucking yeah. lives. Yeah, yeah, Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. That we are. That we are. On X. We, I'm much more interesting on X. The everything uh, app. Yeah. The but, the, uh, but that idea that and then after that, he did an interview saying, if I'm losing to evil, I'm not a worthy champion. Maybe I'm not a worthy champion. Mm-hmm. And it fits with that same narrative that Naito is doing at the moment about now he's back proclaiming himself the, what's it, Shioka? I've checked it out, Dave. Oh, yeah, you know how to say it now. No, I don't. But it's no. the, the number one star, <laughs> right, the protagonist of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Right. He's back proclaiming himself that again, mm-hmm. where he doesn't have the belt, but I'm the number one guy. Yeah, That's the narrative, yeah. is that Sonata isn't the guy. And that's the the underlying confidence that he'll be chipped away by Naito, that messy bitch Naito, you know, as yeah. he tends to do. Yeah. He'll just constantly chip away at that. Yeah. So I don't necessarily think he's meant to be seen as super strong. Mm-hmm. He's just there to tell a really good story that ultimately is Naito's story. But at yeah. the end of it, he'll leave this G1. And I think someone like Yoda Suji will be paired with Sonata mm-hmm. as an indicator of Yoda Suji's progression. So when he finally beats Sonata, that'll be a big thing for Suj. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sonata can have something of note in relation to those young guys' development. When they surpass him, it'll be like a gatekeeper. They're yeah. ready to then get to that next level. Mm-hmm. So I think he's kind of gone all this way around to kind of be uh, get a really good role mm-hmm. in the upper mid-card you know, main event every now and again. Yeah. But I don't necessarily think he's, he's the guy. Yeah. I don't think he was ever meant to be the guy. And that's coming from someone that fucking loves Sonata. Mm-hmm. But I just think that's... It's function in, in New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's a good role to have. It's yeah. like a more accomplished go you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That, um, that sort of booking where it used to be not everyone gets the belt, and now now it's a little bit looser. I, I still think mm-hmm. not everyone gets the belt, but the people that they're giving the belt to, they don't necessarily have to be just the same four guys over and over again. Now you can add in those extra dudes. You can add in a Shingo. You can yes. add in a... Uh, a sonata as you would and then mm-hmm. that opens up so many more lanes 
for you to drive in. I, th- I think what Sonata did, his his A block was very good this year. Um, when he when he was wrestling some fantastic wrestlers, Ren Narita's great, Yoda Suji's great, um, you know, Gabe Kidd is great. All those matches were good. The mm. problem with Sonata is that he plays down to his competition. The other day I was I was saying he's the Randy Orton of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Because when he when he wrestles, you know, when Randy Orton wrestles uh Kofi Kingston, it's really good. When Randy Orton wrestles Kane, it's a fucking shit show. So like <laughs> Sonata, that same idea applies when Sonata can't carry you to a good match, but Sonata can be carried to a good match very well. So if if you are a great wrestler and you wrestle Sonata, you will get a great match. If you are a good wrestler and you wrestle Sonata, you will have a good match. If you are a shit show, you will have a shit show of a fucking match. So I, I think that's that's kind of what people were wondering about with the evil match. We've seen that before, Sonata and evil mm. many times. Mm-hmm. And people were worried that we were going to get a fucking shit show. And we didn't, which was nice. The match was fine. But again, that's because evil is fine. And Sonata is going to be whatever evil is. So it's, uh, a, it's funny because, like, the thing that you're saying there, like that Randy Orton playing down to thing, is annoying me now just hearing it because it kind of, in a way, fucking works to Sonata's fucking entire storyline as well. Because, like Josh said, he's like, <laughs> he only just needs to be that little bit better than his opponent to win. And it's like that's how he treats every fucking match he's ever had for seven years. You know what I mean? And it, it's almost yeah. like he's like, that's my storyline, bro. What do you want? Like, and that well, pisses me off. <laughs> that's the thing about him. He is that little bit better than 95% yeah. of the competition. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. But he think- did, he said it right. Like he was like, when can you imagine what it looks like when mm-hmm. I'm champion? The entire world changes. And to, yep. to his credit and to their booking – it really has. And though I may not enjoy watching his matches because I, you know, watch for a certain thing when it comes to New Japan, I do admit that there's a tension and a, and a difference and an availability of the title and all those things that come with putting it on somebody like him, you know, and I think it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, dude, I mean, we don't get KOPW Taichi without fucking exactly. uh, you know, world champion Sonata in my eyes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, and vice versa, Dave. Yeah, yeah. And I like mm-hmm. just five guys. I like that vibe. Doki's great. I mean, even mm-hmm. you know, we don't get that shampoo around. commercial. We don't get the yeah, shampoo yeah. commercial if not for the himself. Yeah, so. and think of how much better the world is for that. So yeah. you can all thank Sonata. <laughs> my, my hair has never been so silky and so smooth. All <laughs> yes. right. So let's jump to B block and we let's wait, 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 wait. One, uh, one last question one before more we do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A block, mm-hmm. we got to drop one person. Who are we dropping? Oh, oh that's yes. a, wow, that's that's a pretty pick, easy. pick an MVP and pick an LVP. So let's go. You know, um, we, we all did the MVP. Who's your least yeah. valuable player? Yeah. Uh yeah, well, it's it's Chase Owens. Um I look, I'm not gonna I always say that if you don't have anything nice to say about someone, you know, that's don't say anything. <laughs> so enjoy. Uh yeah. <laughs> I feel like the yeah, they could have done something in that first match yes. with Gabe Kidd mm-hmm. and the Chase Owens thing to sort of kickstart. Just a little bit of creativity in there, like a little bit yeah, of something yeah. to put a no. wrinkle. It was just kind of a nothing thing. And this, then he's like is, teaming yeah. with them afterwards, but it doesn't really feel like he fits. And I, I don't no, know. That's weird. it, right? Yeah. That's it. And and we've sort of said about this G1, and it's sort of you mentioned it with Sonata about, 
how uh, Curtis was talking about how depending on who is in there reveals that person's capacity in a lot of respects. Mm-hmm. The this G one in my eyes was about identifying, you know, who are going to be people that we can that who can who can hang who can swim in the deep water of the G one. Sure. We're going to put thirty two people in. I don't think it's going to be. 32 forever. I, I saw comments from Kadani this week talking about he likes the 20-minute stuff, but the 32 men would be going under consideration. Yeah. So I do think that they will look to shrink it. But when they do that, they're going to have to identify who they need to put in there. And we can say as fans who we want to go in there, but ultimately this is a proving ground of that. Mm-hmm. And so you look at that, you've got, what, seven matches to prove yourself. And I look at it from not just oh, in-ring capacity, but or capability, what you did, what your work was, but how did the crowd react? How were your engagements? And when you look at someone, I noticed on that that night, you know, Chase Owens was wrestling Sonata the same night that uh, Suge was wrestling Gabe Kidd, and you just compare the the reactions and the engagement from the crowd, and it tells you everything you need to know sure. about who should be in there and who shouldn't be in there. Mm-hmm. And I think given everyone's been given a fair shot, and I think in A Block, everyone's given a fair shot, and I think that the glaring uh, – the one who was least impressive or who didn't take the opportunity that was given uh, was Chase Owens. Mm-hmm. So I would be uh, looking to leave him at home uh, and pick up the phone and call Tom Lawler. <laughs> so anybody got a different answer than that or I think we could just move on? To, to nope, that. we're moving on. Okay then. Yeah. So B Block, we'll start with Dave again and then we'll we'll loop around and see how we're all feeling. So your MVP for B Block, my man. I'm going to remember who's in the blocks again. Yep, that was um, Okatata, Tai Chi. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, ELP, Okan. Yeah, yeah. I would say probably, oh, we kind of had this conversation, didn't we? We always have conversations, don't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, upon reflection. So it's called a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think probably as an entirety of the B. Uh, the the G1 and the story that they told throughout the G1, uh, ELP, and how it moves through the G1 was yep. was really key and amazing for him as this new sort of super face character mm-hmm. in defining what he's going to be moving forward. Uh, you know, and he showed heart and grit and those kind of things. You know, the the the, the jokey jester sort of stuff was dropped, and he. You know, serious tragedy happened in his life and all sorts of things. But that that was also like a really key moment for him in the G1. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from that point, he really grew into what you know Josh had been kind of going on about about what he what he thought ELP was going to be once yeah. he fully finally fully turned face. So yeah, and yeah, it's I, that I, it shows highlights that ability right to use. I mean, all wrestlers do it to the point sometimes of you know <laughs> inappropriateness, but like the ability to take something that's happened in your life and turn it into a positive, you know, and use yeah. it in a way that, you know, he did respect to his family and everything, but then also use that very real moment to let his audience in behind yeah, all yeah, the bullshit yeah. and stuff and when I'm fucking going through something and I'm going to share it, he didn't choose that moment to be – because they can say whatever the fuck they want there, you know what I mean? Like he didn't choose that yeah. to be like, fuck yeah, I did that or I'm pissed off or whatever. He, he took a moment – and a beat to address everybody and tell them what he was feeling. And as a result, I feel like majorly elevated himself in that moment. Like yeah, yeah, well, the, vul- the vulnerability was real. Yeah. And that's what people, I feel, connected to. And that wasn't part of his character ever, certainly not as Bullet Club. Yeah. Probably saw a little bit more of it, of it as he sort of shifted. Mm. But 
I mean, and we talk about it all the time too, Dave. Like it's art. Mm-hmm. Like this is yeah. art, and it's not uncommon for what your life informing your art. And I do think to some extent, like he, he noted in that promo, I was very high on it and obviously noted that, you know, it's a tough subject to talk to, but he acknowledged that I, it's, it's, it's a job and i got to, I got to work. And I mm-hmm. think it, it sort of gave people like us the opportunity to talk about it because he sort of acknowledged this is the job, this is the work that I'm doing and I'm crafting this. Mm-hmm. And, and once he sort of introduced that uh, and then he followed through with that and it sort of timed out exactly, you know, where he was about to begin that comeback. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was it was a masterful babyface promo, and and nobody could 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 not cheer for him. Yeah, and I thought that's a really you noticed that that growth as he went through the tournament. So it was a masterstroke in that sense. But also, I think it it wasn't like it was cheap. It was a no, it was no, something no, no, no. that was relative to what he was doing, mm-hmm. and he was already laying the seeds for that movement anyway. So it just affirmed where he was going. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, I mean, I. I, I, just to follow on, because I, I obviously loved ELP. I drafted him with our second, my second pick, because I was very high on him as well. Mm-hmm. I think very few people in the tournament get given a story for the tournament. Mm-hmm. Like the tournament is a lot about character development, right? Like your job is to craft this sort of uh, develop layers to your character through interaction with all varying sure. different people as you go along. But sometimes people get a conscious narrative and his narrative is this idea of he needs to find friends mm-hmm. and he needs to, how do, we, how do you go about finding friends is proving your authenticity mm-hmm. and proving that, you're, that the artifice that you've been holding up in front of you this whole time with your stick mm-hmm. is going to fall. And people had to believe that because he's not someone that was trustworthy in the past. Yeah. But all of these steps were about showing that when he went through, you know, the, the torture of, of going in there of Kenta and basically taking 15 minutes of a pounding before he gets three seconds of a match, that story was basically putting himself on show and saying, I'm willing to uh, ostensibly, as he said, die for this. You don't have to kill me. Mm -hmm. And that movement sort of built and built as he went along. And he just needs, we've talked about it, he just needs a heavyweight finish. He hasn't got Mm -hmm. one. He was squeaking out roll-ups. He he nearly got Osprey. That Osprey match is was incredible. It was an incredible pro wrestling match from anybody can pick that up. Like if you just like moves, mm-hmm. it was like in the degree of difficulty, like Dave compared it to Olympic level diving. Like it was yeah. just like the precision of this stuff. Yeah. But then the story of that is there that comes with, so for people like me that can be following him and go like, Oh, is he going to make it? I was, I was there watching with my partner and she was like, He's going to do it. I'm like, this is New Japan. He is not going to do it. <laughs> prepare, <laughs> prepare, prepare yourself. Not yeah, this yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. But it, but that hope is there, mm-hmm. and so I, I take that from that. And I, I, yeah, I would be remiss. I know. I hope someone talks to it. I, I agree. ELP was my favorite guy to follow, but I do think Will Osprey deserves discussion from sure. B Block. Sure, I was um, going to say the same thing again. ELP was also probably my favorite, but you can't not talk about Osprey in just how much he elevates the level of competition in the the tournament, the match quality, his opponents, everything like that. He really is just fucking amazing, like how really, really good he is, you know, like and he went out of his way to like ensure that ELP was over by the end of that match, you know what I mean? Like went out of his way outside of character, all that kind of stuff, you know. Um, it was pretty awesome. But, yeah, he's just grown so much as like a wrestler and as a person from what you can see that it's just really, really impressive. And I I think even leading into it, like my – I was so blinded by his story and his flashiness and, you know, his, I guess, you know, um, 
what's the word I'm looking to? I guess timeness, like it felt like it should be his G1 and that like, I was so blinded that I wasn't even really look, considering anybody else. I was like, surely it's just got to be Will Ospreay because he's the best wrestler in the world, you know, and yeah. the, there's something to really be said about how fucking amazing he is. Yeah. He, I mean, we, we get the opportunity to watch him day in and day out, and I am piss scared he's leaving. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't want him to go. Like, I, I didn't want Shinsuke Nakamura to leave. I didn't want AJ Styles to leave. I didn't care if Kenny left. I didn't care for Kenny. What about Bright but, Lights? Like, How do we feel about Kyle Anderson? Is it still spewing about that? or? No? Oh, man, that one hurt me. Yeah, yeah. That one that hurt, hurt me. Like, yeah, that like hurt they me. Both times. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> but, like, I, we need to take every single match that he has and when we watch it live or on on tape, we need to watch it and and just revel in the fact that we get to enjoy what he's doing right Who now. Who puts in that effort the, the dude, all the time? Like anyone yeah. else, like nobody else. Dude, you don't have to tell me. I'll go to fucking York Hall in Bethnal Green and I'll watch <laughs> fucking Will Ospreay in a match and I'll sit there and I'll just go like, this is the best wrestler on the planet. And we get to we get to watch it, and he's a pug dad too. He has two pugs. Good for him. Mm. And we get to friends. watch what he's doing, whether it's in front of six thousand people or in front of six hundred or in front of fucking one hundred and twenty. Mm. He's gonna go out there, and he's gonna fucking put his heart and soul on. And, and like because of that, he's not gonna be able to do it for very long. Mm. So we need to enjoy it even fucking more. Mm. Like what he does, the dude's a fucking alien. Like what he does is otherworldly. There's no t-shirt Osprey. Like, There's no like half step Osprey. I don't think I've ever seen a match where like you see Nido or Kenny Omega. They're in the t-shirt on a tag kind of thing and sort of just half arsy and fucking about. Like he's 100 all the time. Like yeah, he's like he's just... like the inverse Udra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who's t-shirt mode all the time? Yeah. It's the other way around. Got you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, like, like, and it, everyone, everyone who steps in the ring with Will Ospreay looks like a fucking star. Yeah. yeah. Every okay. single yeah. person. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, like I'll go see him at Rev Pro and like an 18 year old kid, he'll take that 18 year old kid. And after that, that kid's getting booked for PWG and that kid's getting booked for here and that, and then, and like gifts of that kid are showing up everywhere. Like and it's Leon just Slater? like <laughs> Leon Slater. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, his, his matches, um, okay. his, his matches make mm. stars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, he's the best wrestler on the planet when he's done, he's going to go on the Mount Rushmore. Fucking hear me now and believe me later. The <laughs> dude is a fucking alien. Yeah. I, 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 I love him to death. I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I didn't used to, I mean, it's, it's a, it's not well known cause I don't know how well known I am, but it's like for people that listen to us know that I was often, I mean, both of us were, yeah. we were slow adopters to the Will Ospreay approach primarily because uh, the type of thing that we, off, you know, what we look for in terms of story and character and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. He's a very, uh, we used to call them blockbuster wrestlers. Yes. This is and they, he's like the Michael Bay of fucking. Yeah. <laughs> explosion, explosion, explosion. Yeah. Right? But, yeah. and that was, that was young Osprey mm-hmm. as he's coming that along. Was. But now there is depth to what he does and there is such clear intentionality in everything that he's doing that is it's more subtle. He's learning to be more subtle. As I said on this this week's episode, I was talking about 
how when he started doing the equilibrium cell against Tai Chi, I was like, not exactly subtle, William, <laughs> but as he moves forward, you start to see as it, and it manifests itself in that Naito match. Um, good Lord. But yeah, I mean, that's the evolution of this guy. And, and Dave, you made the point uh, about what used to be his weaknesses are now not weaknesses. And I said, yeah, they're strengths. What he used to not be strong at, he is strong at. And I think he's, for all the stuff that happened in this G1, the thing I will remember outside of... Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Naito going to sleep is the promo he cut after the Okada match in Oda Ward because that match against Okada was was good but I don't think it was the same level that they expect because they did they, they did it fast and it was like it was great there wasn't any fat they went straight through mm-hmm. but I was like it didn't get to the level that I that those two I know can get to mm-hmm. but the promo he cut afterwards where he's talking to the crowd and you can just see that everybody is in the palm of his hands. And he's talking about how it's his year, it's his G1, and who's the best wrestler in the world, who's the Ichiban. And he says that to the crowd, and they echo and they say his name back to him, and they're chanting his name. Mm-hmm. And it's this affirmation of where he's come from, where he stands in Japanese pro wrestling landscape. And it's also, he couldn't do that before. It's a coherent sentence followed by another coherent sentence. <laughs> These are things that Osprey was not strong at yeah. early and he's on. Mixing in fucking Japanese. Yeah, he's thinking, mean, yeah it's yeah, bilingual yeah. at this point. My yeah. God, he's improved in that space. Yeah, sure. And then you see that manifest itself come semi-final at Rear Goku before the match starts, and the crowd is cheering his name. And he's standing across the ring from Tetsuya Naito. Yeah. That shows you that's not just in ring that gets you to that level. It's that capacity to connect mm-hmm. and his ability to to weave all of the macro, the micro all together. Yeah, he's he's the complete pro wrestler. And I have to give it's a fair fuck. So it's going, yep, you've you've got it, mate. There's your and I'm like you, Curtis. I said the best thing I can say is I don't want to see him go. And yeah. that's a sign that, you know, from where I once was with him, I, I think he he belongs in New Japan Pro Wrestling, mm-hmm. uh, and it's the place that allows him to do the work that he wants to do to create the work. Completely that he agree. Creates. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I hope I, they I, just do whatever he wants. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Let me ask you the question here. Mm-hmm. I'm of two minds about this. Is it that a dude who's going to be leaving in January wouldn't have the pull to replace your secondary <laughs> belt with something new, or is it? Please stay, Will, and we'll let you do whatever the fuck you you want to change our belt. Go for it. Which is it? Is he staying or going? Give us your far too early opinion. Yeah, I don't. 
I don't know that uh, it's only it'd only be going one place, right? We assume, right? If he was to leave, mm-hmm. um, I. I don't know. But the know. thing is, he can he can he can already wrestle all those guys. That's what I think. Yeah, Just I think stay. that what what's been proven. This might get me in trouble, but what's been proven is when you go to AEW, for instance, I hear the the narrative. Oh well, don't worry, they can still work New Japan, and yes, you can. You can do shots, single shots, but New Japan doesn't function like that. That's not how it runs as a as a company. It's a touring company, and not only that, from just a you know. Uh, operational consideration it's more a storytelling consideration you need multiple engagements to build and craft a narrative mm-hmm. popping in and out for a one shot uh, unless it's wrestle kingdom is not really i don't think it's something that i sort of say yay they're going to come back so but if you're in new japan you can go the other way <laughs> and you can go will's proven it look at what how excited and engaged people were for that build to Forbidden Door for him and Kenny, right? Mm -hmm. Well, he was doing multiple shots at AEW along the journey. He was at TV multiple times. It's a much easier schedule to go from New Japan to one one night each week to fly out to do that process than it is to do it in reverse. Mm -hmm. So for someone like him, I think he can get the benefit of both things and he can be the sort of the, the flag bearer for New Japan's I guess, superiority in terms of the way they see it, in terms of the way that they work, the type of pro wrestling that they present. Mm-hmm. And Will has constantly said that. Even when he wrestled Phantasma, he's like, we had a lot of competition this week, but New Japan's the best pro wrestling in the world. Mm-hmm. I think that he he has a respons- He feels a responsibility yeah. to, to represent that. I do that. too. And I think, it, I think it can serve both interests in that sense. Yeah. Um, and if they're going to pay him an, a, enough money, that's ultimately what it's going, going to come down to. Mm-hmm. Um if it's money and if it's dates, then I think New Japan can at least get to some level. This this narrative that New Japan is always going to get beaten on money, mm-hmm. I think, is an interesting one that often is said, and people don't see what what Kazuchika Okada drives. Uh, <laughs> I have. <laughs> so yeah. You see that documentary or whatever? He's getting around in a Ferrari and stuff. He's doing okay. Yeah, he's doing okay, right? Doing the top okay. guys will do okay. It's not always money that will lead to people leaving. Yes, there will be better offers in other places, but it's not like you're going to go poor if you stay in New Japan as a top guy. So yeah. I think there's opportunities mm-hmm. to stay, um, but it's up to what he wants to do. But, yeah, for me, um, I don't know. This UK belt, I don't know because I could see it as easily being transitioned to someone like Zach. So, like, I yeah. don't I don't know. Um, and I think it's I think the, the transition of that UK belt from the US belt is more a function of what New Japan Strong's belt has become. Yeah. that it is a reflection on it's just they want to make it the ic belt basically let's yeah. get back to that yeah exactly um, I, I don't know to answer your question curtis but i just hope he stays mm-hmm. um, uh, i think too it's always we always sort of worry about guys leaving because we feel as new japan fans that that's the place where they can be their most authentic version of themselves and you know paint their fucking brightest pictures you know what i mean like they create the art that effectively they are able to dictate the directions that it goes in, mm-hmm. um, you know, with guidance through Gato and clearly, you know, <laughs> c- clearly they're open to things when when they see that guys are super talented. So yeah. they're able to do stuff that they, they can't necessarily do or we get we get a ward, somewhat watered down version of, say, like a Jay White in AEW or mm-hmm. guys when they go to the, the Fed or whatever. Yeah. I always say that New Japan's like New Hollywood. It's like that era where auteurs were allowed to make whatever they wanted and then 
when the previous administration of the studio systems in Hollywood was around forever and they just made the same stuff. And they had like the 70s where it's like new Hollywood. Everyone's allowed to make interesting, weird stuff. You get, you know, Dennis Hopper running wild. And and then we get back to the studio system and where we are now, right? And that sort of Western pro wrestling is like you can you can be a star, but you're going to be having to perform in a way that is serving a, a larger narrative or serving a bigger picture. Whereas so find Japan, the hard cam. Find the hard cam. <laughs> yeah, right. Whereas New Japan is like, do what you want to do. Um, and for certain guys, it works really well. And for other guys, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I think Will Ospreay can work well in, in Western pro wrestling. But this this argument that someone needs to go to the West to be seen as affirmed as an all-time great, I think is, uh, yeah, I just don't I just don't agree with that yeah. idea I that you can... Especially not with business moving the way it's moving for New Japan yeah. this year. And you can prove that you can do it. Osprey has proven that he can wrestle a Western-style pro wrestling presentation and do it at a high level. It's just a matter of does that is that is that satisfying yeah. to him? And that, he has to answer that question. Is if it is, then fair fucks to him. I don't. Yeah. And you go where you want to go. End yeah. of the day, as a New Japan fan, we are used to people leaving. That yeah. is the nature of this fandom. And you just say, look at who's coming up. Yeah, next yeah. man up. New Japan yeah. plug and play is quite yeah. better than Everybody's else. always on simmer. You can always pull the next person up. I, yeah, I honestly believe makes them, if, they take them. Yeah, exactly right. And if I had to if I had to weigh in, I don't think he is going. I think his consistent sort of narrative, like as long as I've really heard any like sort of interviews with him and stuff like that, is he just loves wrestling, right? And yeah. he loves doing it his way. He loves like somebody who is not interested in performing in the highest level of their own way doesn't constantly wrestle at the level that he is. You know, they take time off, they they half-ass it, they do those things. And I think uh, as well, like, I think he cares about being a cool wrestler. I think he wants yeah. people to know he's the best. I think he wants to wrestle that way. I think he loves Japan. He has said that he loves working at home and his schedule and being near his parents and all these kind of things. And, like, where else is just going to, like, give him his own faction or his own belt that he wants to do or, or whatever? I, I feel like that stuff, he, he's even said in interviews, just like, oh, it's money. It's, I, he does stuff. It's nice to buy stuff, but I don't really care. Like, yeah, you know, I think, I think he's the kind of guy that's more about telling his story and, and being painted as, like, and having these memories and moments more than he necessarily cares about dollars in his bank account. I may be wrong. You know, they might back up a truck and it's like, sweet. Next minute he's like at WrestleMania with Cody. I don't know. But like I, I personally feel like he's not going to go anywhere. If he if he does, I mean, there's another mouthy Brit just ready to take that spot, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah, there is. Fuck yeah, there is. Okay, real quick, right. uh, lightning, so, ra- oh, lightning round. I was going to say um, LVP for B Block real quick. Is it Kenta or is it Tonga Lot? Don't you make me choose Kenta. Ever. It's hung no. It's hung That soft style yeah. shit needs no. Yeah, I would agree. Oh, yeah, I I would agree, yeah. but I, I feel sorry for him. He he was. I don't think he was physically ready to go. Yeah, yeah. Quite frankly, he could say no. He could say no. That was Truth. fucking embarrassing. Mm-hmm. That like I w- I had like the kids always say the word cringe. Mm-hmm. Watching him, watching him, just like kind of rub Okada's tummy. That yeah. <laughs> what the fuck was That's, that? That is it. fucking ten ply. That is soft shit. That is writing fucking Taylor Swift lyrics in a fucking birthday card soft. That is fucking garbage. I was so, I was like, get that the fuck out of my fucking Japanese ring, you son of a bitch. That is disrespectful. It is fucking terrible. 
Like you feel shame. You go to the fucking box and you feel shame. He doesn't feel you, shame you, though because he's still doing it. I just saw him doing it in a tag like on the day jail. of the final. Go to fucking jail. <laughs> he thinks that's it. He thinks that's his move set. Like that's there's a there's a yeah. problem there. Yeah, it is what I it hope is. his dad. I hope he went home and his dad did that to him fucking full speed and just beat the shit. Out. <laughs> go the fuck to jail. Oh Jesus Christ! Sorry. Okay. C block. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually not sorry. I'm, I'm no, no, it I is totally angry. fine. Fuck that. Yeah. All right. What's going? Wait, wait, wait. What's what's going on with my man Ocon? What the fuck was that? What was that story that they were telling with Ocon? Uh, for a second, Rafe thought that he was going to be he was going to be turning on Osprey. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 like I I even talked to my 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 wife's a big Osprey fan, a giant Ocon fan, and mm-hmm. I told her that, and she was like. Actually, that's kind of an interesting story. She's the kind mm-hmm. of person who would say, like, no, I do not want that. Mm-hmm. But, like, that seemed like an interesting story for him. I, and then he went directly back on that. So, like, you well, know, shielding Osprey's, you know, body with his own, like, that's yeah, not the he's face a, of a man who's going to turn on him. No, because he's such a great guy. Look, that's the reality. He's the best. He's the best guy ever. Hero. I think, I think, yes, a legit shoot hero. I think that there is something happening there for sure. Because he didn't talk during this tournament. Obviously, he, he was off the mic a lot. There was, like, they got, United Empire's got new music that Okan was sort of responsible for in that space. They, they feel like they're telling a narrative that, that, to me, there was some sort of like a parallel story happening where Osprey had only beaten Okada once before. And when he did, it was thanks to Okan. And then we return now, and Osprey finally defeats uh, uh, Okada on his own in. Uh, Oda Ward with no seconds and he's telling the crowd, I'd normally have my brothers out here at United Empire, but I didn't need them. I needed you. Yeah. And it's like, well, what's Okan's role now? Like Okan could look at that and go, hang on, I was the reason you beat that guy now. So I have to reevaluate where I think he's going through a period of just reevaluating what his role in United Empire is. Now this may mean that he turns. This may mean that he leaves. This may mean something, but I think he's going through a period of like, where do I fit in this space, you know? And Jeff Cobb has elevated, where where am I? And I think at some point when he wrestled Osprey, which is interesting, I don't think that's by, it wasn't an accident that they were paired up in this, especially after last year's G1 where all the uh, UE boys were all separated in those blocks. They were together this time and he misted Osprey, the only guy yeah. who brought the mist out for, right? Mm-hmm. So there's something in there where I think he wants to prove something to him, but underlying he's just a good guy. Mm-hmm. But I do feel that, Osprey's elevation has felt in many ways like he's using United Empire for the benefit of himself mm-hmm. versus the other guys. So, and it's not it's not overt; it's subtle. Mm-hmm. It's Billy Boy is doing something subtle, mm-hmm. and I think that it's something we have to keep an eye out because you have to have they have to have that on the back burner. If Osprey were to leave, we need someone to lead this United Empire, yeah. and let's start telling that story. That keep him simmering. Okay, mm-hmm. There's a bit of ambition there that he might want to do that because if I were picking someone, I'd be picking him because. That man does not need a mic. He's out there out front. And when he wrestled Tai Chi, you got to see what he can be. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's what Tai Chi does. We always talk about it. he's a great revealer. He, he, both himself and everyone else, mm-hmm. he brings it out in people, right? Mm-hmm. And I felt like you saw what Okan could be. So, yes, it was somewhat disappointing that he didn't have a great tournament in terms of the outcome and results. But you look at it, he finished equal with a bunch of guys in that pack on six points or whatever. And I feel like there's the seeds are being planted. The little things are there. So don't give up on the man. I think there's 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 either leadership or it could be the 
just six guys. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Don't put that evil in the fucking universe. <laughs> oh, look, look, I I'm here to see that YouTube channel, right? Yeah, yeah. Tai Chi <laughs> and Okan. Maybe a <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's go to the C block. Sorry about that. I had to do that. Got to get my Ocon talking. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. got to. Okay, so MVP of C. What are we thinking, Dave? Oh, CTE block. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, this is a really interesting one. What do you reckon, Dave? You go first. Oh, thank you. Um. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Look, obviously, there's some clear standouts in terms of performance. Um, in terms of booking, obviously, there's some directions that were pretty clear. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do something ridiculous because I like it. Who did I enjoy watching the most? Mm-hmm. Who did I enjoy watching the most? Mm-hmm. That's I enjoy ridiculous. Watching... Why would you ever do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, like, in the C block, I had David Finlay, who was my follow story that I was interested in following. And I don't think I learned any more until we got out of the blocks. Sure. And I thought, yeah. well, something really interesting there. Yeah. I, I have a, there's a certain type of character that I fucking love. And I tell you, Mad Mikey Nichols, I'm telling you right now, I did not enjoy Hell yeah. watching a man more than a fellow Australian mm-hmm. going out there and saying, you know what? I'm just going to throw everything I got. Like, I'm going to put my head into this. I'm going to put, I'm going to put my legs, my, my hips. You put an RA's head into this? I put every, yes. <laughs> Nothing said we're off to the races, boys, like that match. That established, yeah, yeah. look, safety police, I could hear the sirens in the background as we're watching mm. this thing. But Hanare's awesome. I love, I love what Hanare does. I love someone that's willing to just, like, he is all in, mm-hmm. in all the best ways. But Mad Mikey Nichols had no reputation relative to, the general audience coming mm-hmm. into this certainly not as far as a singles wrestler, right? Yeah, and people sort of said, "What is he doing in here?" Right? Like, even like this is a, another instance of this uh, padded, inflated tournament. Mm-hmm. But if you want to establish the block as the murderers row, the tough guys, you know, the the, yeah, the, the block of the, the block, the block yeah. of the, the neighborhood toughs. You put in a guy like that, and you say you're going to be like down the bottom, right? But you're going to put in and and bring a physicality and a threat of violence that's going to make everything feel a little bit more dangerous. I loved his match versus Shingo and Corrigan. Mm-hmm. That thing was off the – that was – I don't know what happened. I don't know how it ended. I'm not exactly sure what was going on there. I think they were trying to do flying headbutts at some point and they kind of messed it up, but they just did the – they did the Pillman uh, – what's the Pillman Mark Merrow spot where they just collided in the midair. Yeah. <laughs> that's showing my age. But the, the idea of like – Johnny B. Bad spot. That's right. A Johnny B. Bad spot <laughs> yeah, here. Hell yeah. For Let's go. Yeah. But that there was just that if that block was going to establish this is going to be a tough place. This is the guy that beat evil, mm-hmm. right? And I think we he sort of spurned in evil an idea that I can't out tough some of these guys. Like this guy's going to be tough. He's too tough for me. Mm-hmm. So I'll just lean into my shenanigans even further. Mm-hmm. I just like, I want to give respect to those type of competitors. Yes, yeah. there were guys that were, were, were more interesting perhaps from a, star, a, a narrative standpoint. But in terms of what I'll say is if you look at the New Japan Cup and what it did for Aussie Open in terms of those crowds being behind those guys when they eventually got their world uh, tag titles, when they eventually won those IWGP tag titles, the crowd was far more invested in them because of their performance in that in that New Japan Cup, sure. I think that this 
G1 will serve a similar function for TMDK. Yeah. And that when they get to that spot and they beat Bishamon, people will be like, yes, Let's because go. they saw the earnestness and the, the commitment to the craft and to the game that those boys showed in very different ways. Uh, but particularly what Mikey Nichols did. So, yeah, I just wanted to give him Hell yeah. uh, an, an Australian, give an Australian a bit of a shout That's out. a Perth boy right there, Perth Dogs mount up. Okay. Um, I, yeah. I will say uh, I don't want to necessarily um, blame it all on us, but I do commentary for a new promotion called Dude, Where's My Ring? And Mikey came to the first show, was like, fuck yeah, I want to be involved, was on the second show, fucking slamming dudes on kegs and fighting in a bar, and then now he's dropping dudes on his head and bleeding every night. I don't want to say it's because of us, but it might be because of us. (laughs) Also, how crazy that I've called a Mikey Nichols match. That's absolutely fucking insane. That was my second show I ever called. I was in Japan when it happened, so I had to do it like in post, but I was like, I can't believe I'm fucking calling a Mikey match. It's absolutely fucking insane. Um, I have talked to the bad man. Yeah, he's, he's, he's just the man. Oh, hey, Donna. Run in by Curtis's <laughs> wife real quick. Um, I will say that, like... I'm, I'm on the podcast with three Australians and none of them are named Shane. It's really weird. <laughs> 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 Fucking Curtis. Love you, B. <laughs> um, I, I agree. I think Mikey was a huge standout. And and obviously, Hanare, I personally think, got maybe the, the most growth out of this tournament. I think he really made the most of his opportunities and showed the world who the, who he was in this tournament. You know, he he chose the timing that he was going to finally do these things and make these decisions, and and he just got to run with it. And I think he just came across so dominant. Even though his win-loss record doesn't necessarily look like that, you can't say that he just got outright beaten in any match. You know, he was swinging right till the end and he got, you know, outdone a few times, but he looked super dominant. And I think that gradual build of him of like the toughest guy in new Japan is going to continue. I mean, he beat Shingo in this, he beat Ishii in this. These are the guys who people look at as the toughest guys. And then one of the dudes that took him out, the strong champion or whatever, fucking Hanare got a run in on the current match. He's now in a singles program. And if that doesn't show like fucking growth in character and what the company thinks of him, I think nothing was. I popped huge when he fucking attacked Kingston. I was like, let's go. That is fucking, or my wife come from the other end of the house. Just like, what, what is going on out here? Because I was just so (laughs) amped to see him, you know, getting those opportunities. So yeah, I I would say Hanare was probably my MVP for the I'm going to go ahead and uh, interject mine and I'm going to say Eddie Kingston. Like I'm not an AEW guy. Um, I wasn't even an Eddie Kingston fan until early 2020, Mm -hmm. but the watching the, the joy of seeing him, he got to have a match with Ishii in Karakin Hall and he was delighted. (laughs) You know that he was so happy. Yeah. He's in Ryugoku Sumo Hall He's in Oda Ward Gymnates. Like he's he's in all these places that he's seen on fucking VHS tapes for years. He's having great matches. And he was just fucking joyful. Yeah. Loving it, was, it. it was 10 pounds of joy in a five pound bag. And it was infectious. And I fucking loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved every second of it. All I loved C Block. C Block was my fucking block when I was watching it. I would just rant about C Block and how much I enjoyed it for the G Wonderings that we were doing. But I think uh, for for me, and I loved I loved Shingo, of course. Like Shingo's great. I loved 
um, what Hanare was doing, seeing him become the the final evolution of who he can be, and uh, you know, seeing all these different dudes in the C block. Mikey Nichols was great. Um, Ishii is Ishii, so like your mileage may vary on that, but I think Ishii matches are fun, mm-hmm. and uh, like seeing the joy. Uh, and I keep saying joy, seeing that absolute unabashed happiness mm. was so infectious that that really got me through like night seven, night eight, night nine, whatever it was like, those can be dregs sometimes and his matches never were. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would agree with Eddie Kingston. It's the reverence that he has clearly for Japan, always wanting to be there and all that sort of stuff. And you know, the, uh, he's like an homage wrestler, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd say along with the joy that he had being there, it was like his, the way he depicted the effort and the struggle. I thought that was like the story of his G1 was mm-hmm. like he's fighting. We kind of talked about it on our show. Like he's fighting not just each. Initially going in, I thought it was going to be he's going to tell a story about every guy that he matches up with. Mm-hmm. But it was like the struggle of the G1 in its entirety. Yep. Like G1 it's the opponent. opponent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. The ongoing yeah. struggle. And if, if anybody like has followed Eddie Kingston over the years, you know, like before AEW, like when he was an indie guy, this is a dude like you look at his Twitter and he would just like tweet up like an all Japan match and would just say, watch. That was all he'd do. He would yeah. just share, you know, Japanese wrestling and four mm-hmm. pillars stuff and things like that because it's what he was most passionate about. So, Knowing, knowing that that's such a huge part of who he is, and then watching it play out with that earnestness, um, yep. really came across well. And I think he probably, I mean, he definitely took advantage of it in a better way than say like Wheeler Yuta did in Best of the Super Juniors or whatever. Yeah, I, yeah, I've, yeah. I would say yeah. Kingston is a star in Japan now that he, you know, yes. may not have been before. Yes, and he can main event strong shows with that strong title now, and they can be comfortable that it's going to be engaging for the domestic audience as well as the sure. international audience. Well, he could have until and Hanare beats him. and then. then yes. Pretty, yeah. Well, <laughs> the beautiful thing about that is that's a yeah. perfect story that we set up in relation to Hanare and, and Kingston because mm-hmm. you can say you have the reverence for Japanese pro wrestling all you like. The idea that Hanare is introducing is that, well, I committed to it. You know, yeah. you talk a big game about your love sure. for this place. I live this thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that that story is going to help you talk about Hanare's evolution into this final form of what he's what he's trying to do and who he is and, and combining all of the elements of his of his personality into this one uh, representation which is awesome we were very big on on his uh, you know introducing of the Tomoko and it's, it, I think that's a really strong thing from a representation standpoint I mean uh, indigenous representation is very rare in pro wrestling it's a positive indigenous representation is very rare yeah, authentic in, yeah. authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, and the it's a very strong statement that he has made in terms of representing himself as sort of one of one, you know, representing uh, you know Maori people mm-hmm. and coming into this space. And I think what it's established for a lot of people is that you can be more than one thing. You can be a cultured person and introduce uh, into a contemporary setting, mm-hmm. and you can bring that understanding into a new Japan pro wrestling context. And some of the things that relate. You, you, that's where the passion comes from with that dude. You can yeah. connect to those things. Mm-hmm. And so you can understand why a man like that is going to take offense to someone like Eddie Kingston, ostensibly in the, con- on, in the context of the story, cosplaying as a yeah. strong style pro wrestler, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's going to lead to a very juicy feud. And I can't awesome. wait for them to just literally. 
beat seven shades of shit out of one each other, one another. It's going to yeah, be great. I completely agree. And like, I think the the coolest thing about the way that you know Hanare has found himself now and how uh, he's presenting himself is it's just completely like integrous to who he is. You know, like mm-hmm. a, yeah. somebody who's had conversations with the man. You know, um, you obviously uh, like I, I did an interview with him, but we we are friends and we talk and. When we were in Japan, we spent, uh, you know, a good few hours together and all he had to talk about, like, not all, but, but you know, a, a big part of what we discussed was his heritage and how he's, you know, looking into that and how much it means to him to go back and to do this thing and, and you know, all that. And it's really who he is. And to, to turn around and to, you know, represent that, like, that doesn't make life easier. Like having no, 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 you know what I mean. Like especially not in Japan, especially in Japan, not in yeah, Japan. That's yeah. a, that's a, a a huge huge choice. I think it's the right choice. I think it's absolutely the right choice for for him as a person, but also for him. I think for his career, like as a wrestler, and also like in a big in Japan type famous. You know what I mean? Like crossing over mm-hmm. into that, just becoming one of the most recognizable people. You know, in mm-hmm. Japan. Um, but I, I think all of it reads really true. And then to just see him wear like his heart on his sleeve every single match of this G1, how hard he went. I thought he'd fucking died in that first match, man. Oh, yeah. I was so scared. Like I I messaged him and Are we was sure he didn't? Fucking, <laughs> well, I'm, I actually have no confirmation, but for, for a good like 30, 40 minutes until like I heard back from him, I was actually yeah. really fucking scared because he yeah. had only just come back from like a neck injury. And so it was like, is this been, not that I necessarily thought he was going to be dead, but it's like maybe the career is over. Maybe he's finally got to that point and it's re-injured and now that's actually him, you know? So, mm. so, so scary. Um, but to, to see him come through it all and to see that performance, I feel like that block was just made so much stronger because of, well, the all of the guys that we've discussed now. Um, who yep. do we think, th- this is a little bit harder block to choose, but um, LVP, for this block, does anybody have any hot takes? <laughs> so I, I, I've got, I've got a little bit one. How are you feeling about Tama Tonga at the moment? Yeah, that's who I would have said. It's Tama. Some people would say uh, evil, but they would be wrong because evil. I feel like fucking, they would be wrong yeah. too. I, 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 yeah, okay. I have a, I have a take. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say Ishi. And I was going to say Ishi too. I didn't want, I didn't want to be that guy, but thank you. This is not a this is not an indictment on Ishi. I I I love Ishi. I drafted him in my team. I'm I'm here for that. But at some point we have to we have to let we have to let them you've done your job, yeah, old man. It's time to sit back in the dad squad and just Tantana that. I look, I understand. I understand the fucking taste out your mouth as well. Right. (laughs) But it's a situation where he can he can still like Ishi's role in New Japan can so much be like an ambassador or a strong style of this guy they send off to places to demonstrate what's great about New Japan Pro mm-hmm. Wrestling mm-hmm. and wrestle a little bit more infrequently. And we talked about it. Hanare is sort of elevated himself to want to be one of those type of guys that we see as a tough guy that wrestles a certain style. It's kind of like consistently at you. Now all... having banger matches that people expect him to have great matches yes. and he's getting Meltzer star rating. He's yeah. breaking the Meltzer scale for yeah, God's yeah. sake, right? <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. This is this is an opportunity where I'm not saying I'm just saying prepare in a similar what you're saying before Curtis about just 
just embrace and, and enjoy Osprey while you have him in any context. That's what I think about Ishii. That's how I treat him. This, this is why I drafted him this year. I just want to enjoy. It may be his last one. I don't think he's ever going to get pomp and circumstance when he leaves. I think he's just going to be like, I'm not in this year. That's it. Um, but when that happens, it'll be a sad day. But I think it's a situation where he has proven, he, does, he has nothing left to prove in a G1 context. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's time for someone to step up and take that role. And I think that's a challenge that, he has he set forth a significant challenge, mm-hmm. um, and I used to say someone like Shingo is here. You know, Shingo can be that MVP for a G one if he's given that opportunity. There's there's a there's a number yeah. of guys that can play that role now, which is really encouraging. So I, it's not because he's not good, and if he was in another block, you know, he would have been really great. He's great in this block. Mm-hmm. It's just a situation where he only won the the two matches. He's finishing below, and they're, they're indicating mm-hmm. that time is is drawing on the great man. So. Um, yeah, I would have him missing for that one reason, that re- one reason alone, and I can't wait for the internet to get a hold of that and come after <laughs> Isolate the audio. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, asked, I asked Rafe this question. I'm going to ask you guys. Over under 1.5 G1s left in the tank for Tomohiro Ishii. Does he have, does he have one left in him? Wow. Does he have more than one left in him? I'll under? go not under, under 1.5, yeah. Okay. So yeah, you'll think of one more if I, that. I mean, he's yeah, he's one of those guys. I think that if if, if they said to him, "We need you to oh. keep going," he would keep going. Yeah. Um, I just think with the the size of the roster and the guys that have moved up into positions that they weren't in a couple of years ago or even twelve months ago, there's not as much of a need to rely on him as much as they have in the past. Sure. So. Yeah. There's only so many spots, right? And then if the G1 is reduced down from 32, maybe he doesn't make the cut, you know, and maybe that's an easy enough way to mm-hmm. not have him in. I think if he goes again, it'd probably be one more, but I wouldn't think any more. And give him the Nagata last run. Give him like a can he win a match kind of thing. You know, he's, he's slowly going backwards in his wins. Yeah, It could be a situation where it's like he – it's his last run, and we don't know it's his last run until it's done. Yeah. Now, that is fair. That is fair. So, D-block. Dirty D-block. MVPs. Let's run it down. Let's start with you this time, Curtis. Who you got? Oh, God. Uh, there's so many choices you can make here. Like, I mean, obviously, Naito won me the G-Wondering. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Zack Sabre Jr. always, uh, like, might be my favorite wrestler. Uh it, it, to watch uh coglin is a fucking i love that guy and his his deep-seated fear of stairs um, <laughs> i'm gonna say though i think i got the most like joy watching shane haste oh, i yeah. thought shane haste was so much fun another to perth watch boy. in the d block oh, yeah another yeah. perth boy um he was hilarious he was uh, you know, he, he's so impressive with his moveset and his conditioning and like the way he's able to be a fucking country strong motherfucker who can run like the fucking wind and can lift you up and throw you like, uh, you know, as far as you can see. And, you know, he's got all these great moves like it's just like the dude's the complete wrestler, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like he's so cool. And like. I've seen I've seen TMDK many times, but seeing him as a singles wrestler for the first time that I can think of, not a big slapjack fan. Uh, it was 
<laughs> What's that? He Not was a big so- Slapjack fan there? No, uh, no, no. No, um, <laughs> no. no risk of uh, that. But, but yeah, that, I think that was that was it for me. I think, um, yeah, yeah I dude, too, dude's compl- a complete wrestler, and it was a lot of fun to see him run Do through get, a G1. A question for you. Do you think, like, he's the type of character, right, that he seemed just to love, like, having fun. He enjoys – he just treats wrestling in a certain way. The way as a character him doing anything. Yes. Yeah. Is I've always said this guy is so good. Like he's got all the the tools, but it feels like perhaps maybe it's a situation where he's been spurned in the past, or you know that slapjack run may have literally ended the his desire to be a singles wrestler, perhaps. Mm. But if he ever got given an opportunity, right? Like you've talking to him, he got given opportunity this one, mm-hmm. and he was. I, I just think he's got everything it needs to be good. Yeah. Except, I'm not sure if he wants. I'm not, honestly, I'm not sure if he wants to be a top, a serious singles, singles wrestler. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think he wants to be, and that's like it's okay mm-hmm. to not want to be. Like you, you can put a bucket on your head, yeah, and mm-hmm. and upset Meltzer, yeah, right. But I, I'm I'm curious, you know, because I I wouldn't necessarily he's my MVP. I was very high on him. I drafted him within my team, mm-hmm. and for that very reason, I was like, what does he look like as a singles? What does he look like when it's when it's not about. Uh, his interaction with his partner is sort of the hot tag guy, but how does he construct a match? Mm-hmm. And I just, I wonder if, if we talked about when Aussie Open was there, we were very high on Kyle Fletcher, like Kyle Fletcher's sort of the breakout guys. I'm not sure if TNTK will break out in that respect, they they're a tag, but my God, I could see that guy being a, I don't know. He just strikes me as the, the type of guy that has all the tools, but no kind of, and I'm trying to find a, a parallel, like an ambition. He doesn't seem he's all that ambitious mm. uh, to become a top guy. Because mm-hmm. um, he yeah. really does have all the tools. You know, he's he's got the body, he's got the looks, he's got the talent, he's got the speed, he's got the strength. And he's even got personality. It's just how he uses yeah. that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think he does really smarter. have a lot of charisma. He's real, yeah. yeah, he's, yeah. Just, he's, just, he's, he's incredibly Australian mm-hmm. um, <laughs> is the, yeah. the best way I like to describe him to people. Like that's, mm-hmm. yeah. He like go to any any work site. There's a there's a there's a few tradies that there's Shane Hayes around. Like that oh is yeah the, yeah the, sure yeah that's who sure. he is. Mm-hmm. And um, but I just think man, like he's a great indication of just how talented you know Australian wrestling is in the sense that this is a guy that's got all the tools. He's as athletic as they come, but um, unfortunately it's probably a timing issue that he just never got an opportunity to be seen as an individual singles guy. But I thought in this tournament he definitely showed out. And I think he was the turning point for Tetsuya Naito when we yeah. look back at this tournament. Mm-hmm. That match against Naito, which I think was probably Hayes, I mean, I think it's probably his high point. Mm-hmm. You can argue whether it's the CSJ match or that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that match was sort of like an indication of, you know, Naito said it as much. This guy doesn't belong here. And in that match, you saw Hayes say, stop, you know, running your mouth, you yeah. prick, you know. like, yeah. <laughs> And it was like, it was like this sense of he got serious. Mm-hmm. And when that guy, like, I thought he's just going to be a comedy wrestler. That was how I viewed him, and I think he probably may be that for a bit. Mm-hmm. But when he was in there with Yana, I was like, why are they putting two comedy guys in there? And then obviously I got a bigger surprise that, oh, no, when Shane Hayes wants to go, he can go. So, yeah, I'm with you, Curtis. I thought he was great. Mm-hmm. Um, he put the, you know, put the D and D block. You know, that was. <laughs> <laughs> can, sure can I ask you a question? What the fuck is this? 
You just said retribution slapjack. I have no. <laughs> this was him when he was in WWE. What is this nonsense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what happens. That's what happens when Mikey Nichols comes back home and yeah. you're left. He, you're in left in NXT, and then they form some weird sort of faction, and then they get dragged up to the main roster, but then disassembled, and you're left in a hockey mask and a cutoff shirt. Yeah, look. At the end of the day, like he. You could only like he tried to make chicken salad out of the chicken yeah. shit. Did he have different. like but a huge singles match? I'm trying to remember. He wrestled somebody I don't know. on like I, 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 I don't, don't follow know. WWE, but I remember. No, neither do I. It just came but across I, I my thing. It was like I don't know. He wrestled like fucking Roman Reigns on Raw, like Slapjack versus the Champion or whatever, and everybody <laughs> was like, "Yo, that was a fucking killer match." It's like, yes, yeah. he's a fucking great wrestler, <laughs> like, but yeah, he's looking like, that, like yeah. a discount Casey Jones. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, and he's he's still making fun of it on on social media and stuff. He still puts his slapjack elements out every now and again. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, yeah. Look, that's what New Japan has always been to me. Is it's been a home where in the past they didn't get guys even of the profile of TMDK. They got guys with lesser profile yeah. who had had poor gimmicks or poor presentation other context and they were able to transform themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think he's really done a number in that respect. Yeah, TMDK. Uh, that whole faction is fucking great. Yeah, I love yeah. it. We, we're, we're all in TMDK here at sure. Work Stiff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just so happy that, you know, they get to be their authentic selves in that group. Absolutely. And, and they got to be looking a, at it like, like, don't you think he'd be looking at like, you know, Taguchi and Yano and going, there's a worse job as I get older than being the fucking next 100%. one of these dudes. Like there's going to be a hole for these guys and I'm in here and maybe that's it, but I can also work when they need me to and, you know, carve yeah. out your own yeah. slot where there's not as much competition, you know, so that's to be said. Yeah, um, it's it's not easy to be a good comedy wrestler. No. Let's not kid ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. He's, like a, he's like a very elevated, he's like elevated comedy wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think probably it's worth mentioning Zaku. Um, obviously, he's killer in everything he does and his elevation now, not only in stature and his own faction and even his physical size, you know, he's just he's just come really, really far um, since the guy that, yeah, blindness. since the guy that first Elevated walked in. as well. All of those things, just every single element there. He really... He's obviously gone, there's certain things that need to happen physically if I'm ever going to be the champion of this company, like if I'm going to be taken serious as a heavyweight dude. And you, you see him standing there next to Okada and he's a pretty tall guy and you're like, yo, he's like not yeah. looking super small. Like he's not looking like Noodle Man anymore, you know? Yeah, and it hasn't affected, uh, if anything, it's added to his game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would absolutely say so. So I, he, I he think probably this, might. This I, I love Jr. is a f- fucking amazing like this Zack Sabre Jr. is he's the real deal man like TMDK is the shit Zack is the fucking best like I I'm gonna count myself among his biggest fans like I think the dude is ridiculously fun to watch and I can't I, I love it his his attitude his style everything that he does is is wrestling to me like if I could, if I could sit down and I'd like give me fifty different wrestlers to watch, you know, do you want to watch this guy, this guy, this guy? And then we go, yeah, probably fucking Zack Saber Jr. Actually, mm-hmm. yeah, like, just, and the, so and the perfect front man for that faction. Yeah, uh, the the perfect guy to put Vegeta under the wing of. 
Uh, the, mm-hmm. the perfect guy for Robbie to team up with. Uh, I just love everything about where TMDK is going. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I love the brashness. They're all kind of their own individuals. Um, yeah, and his work in ring is through the G1 was like super consistent as mm-hmm. always. He's always so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and he tells, he's telling some sort of interesting stories. I really like the feud with Jeff Cobb and I kind of want that to continue as well. So, uh, yeah, I thought he had a great G1. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think he's the type of character that like you can see the transformation of him through Team Decay and making it out of the the group stage to get to the to get to a final versus Okada not ideal uh, but he was terrific like he was terrific against in that Goto match and that Naito match and those last you know like he sort of timed run really well had an excellent match with Okada that that you know is very likely to sort of get lost in the shuffle of um, this the the last few days of G1 and all the you know the epics that come uh, with that but I and I did like how he reacted. He didn't do the full tantrum. He sort of showed that you know Team DK has transformed him a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. So I liked that movement. It's funny. It's one of those situations. I listen to your wax lyrical about him, Curtis, and I think that's kind of interesting. Is that if you get a situation where you you lose uh, Will Osprey, if I'll be terrible, that would benefit. Zack Sabre Jr., you know, like... He's like, come on, that, that money's pretty good, geezer, let's yeah, go. <laughs> yeah, because it's like... Get it's, the will, fuck will out. Ever come, yeah, will it ever come home is kind of the, the fear of of uh, of him. If, will he ever make it to the big belt? Will he ever get that, that spot? Um, and I don't know. I think, I think he could. He has, I really think, I think he, he could. I think he has earned the right mm-hmm. in the sense to be considered a, a IWGP champion-level guy. Absolutely. I think it's not unbelievable now that he could be the champion in the current state of where New Japan has moved. Mm-hmm. And I think that what he's done with the TV title and the way that he's crafted that and, and built that, it felt like a project for him in many ways. It's his belt mm-hmm. and he's made it his belt. And I, I look forward to seeing who he hands it off to. Mm-hmm. It might be might be Big Oleg. Yeah. Oleg Bolton, the meat man. I love that he's even in the face of like young lions and shit with it. I don't even hate the look of the belt anymore. It's kind of grown on me a bit. Like, I, I love yeah, the Cassio. Yeah, exactly. Yep. You used to hate we were, it. We love were, it now. Yeah, we were first day adopters here at WeWorks. Oh, yeah. The Cassio like belt. Yeah. Um, and, and for the division, we'll take our victory lap on that one as oh, well. Yeah. Build more, more belts, more divisions. <laughs> like, what we want is defined divisions, defined belts. If we understand the identity of the mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. It's, it's easy. It's like what never. You know, used to be, you know, what 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 the IWGP like intercontinental title used to represent at that stepping. If we know what the identity is, that we're cool. Mm-hmm. And I think that that New Japan World Belt did that, and he's just added to the legacy of that and and crafted it in a way where his style of he's a tough out. Can you beat him? Can you solve that puzzle in fifteen minutes? Mm-hmm. That's who he's going to drop it to. Someone that is hard to solve, and that's why I always thought Cobb might take it because they've mm-hmm. got the same sort of thing. It's hard to do to get rid of in fifteen. But I think that, um, yeah, he's done a tremendous job with that. And if, if anything, I think it's time for him to, to move on up. And that UK title seems like it's something that I could see him uh, graduate. Him and Will head-to-head over that, like who's or, the best wrestler in the United Kingdom, that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm ready for him to sort of get a, get rid of that wrinkle of that belt, pass that on to the next person, and let's see him start to climb. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I will say something real quick. Um I don't think, I mean, how much more can you say about Naito? But what is it about Tetsuya Naito that makes me 
not want to wrestle him at all, like not want to wrestle him. Of course I want to wrestle him. Uh, <laughs> what makes me not want to watch him wrestle, never be excited about what matches are to come from him, be bored all the way he walks to the ring, and then the mm-hmm. moment he does that little rolly thing and throw up the fist, I'm like, let's go, Nido! Like every time, and it bring he brings me back every time. I love the, love the matches and the closing stretches, all that, and then I reset to not being a fan again, like literally every <laughs> single time. Like is it the lethargy of his entire vibe? Yeah, <laughs> do, do I forget? Like because there have been times that I've been really high on him, but at the moment I – just was not like I was really not interested in what he had to offer in so, this tournament. It might have been the fact that Curtis picked him. That may have played a part now I think about it. But <laughs> no, I've, but I've that is this, how I felt I've about him right for here. a while. Mm-hmm. Here's a text that you sent me. Why Rafe is currently off Naito. Burnout. <laughs> I need quick, exciting matches. By the time he's already to fight, I've lost interest. <laughs> Change. Naito has been to the Dome many times. I know I've been there. That plus his potential opponent of Sonata leaves me flat. Heat, he has none with anyone. I know that his point, that's his point, but I just don't care. Dogs the boys. He doesn't ever help his homies. That, that is, I made a and Venn then, diagram. Yeah. I was so worked up about this. <laughs> like, it was Nito in the center <laughs> and all the little circles the of the points. And he does dog the boys because let's yeah. face it, when there has been anybody in strife, he's never running out to help any of his homies. It only just happened recently. So much so yeah. that he's had two homies turn on him in as many months, years. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but it was evil in Sonata. Who gives a shit? Yeah. <laughs> Still, it's setting a pattern. You know what I mean? Suji kind of wants to fucking knock him out already, and they've only been together for like two seconds. Yeah, that's yeah. He, but once they once they them. leave him, oh, inspires once they leave them him, to they become like, champion. That's mm. what leadership looks like. You see, mm. <laughs> <That's> what, <laughs> he encourages them. That, and look, you know, we all we all love a bit of foreplay, don't we? There's nothing wrong with him just building the anticipation. He's a he's he's mm. the type of wrestler that I think I understand that like. I can go a bit off Naito every now and again because, like, what he's been quite stagnant. And I think he's a that's a mm. consequence of the pandemic. I really feel sorry for him. He's yeah. kind of been lost in this whole sort of we sort of just want to, you know, try not to remember that time. But, you know, he got that belt. He finally got to that accumulation of what he's been working for and a chance to have a run with that. And, you know, yeah. this, is the, this happens. Maybe very- I'm still feeling that because I was in the dome when that happened. I went to like shows after that happened and like the crowd was going sick and like chasing down Kenta. We were in like a gymnasium and stuff. Like it was just so hot. And then it just all, and I mean, it's not their fault, but just everything just went blah and it just sort of left me, I guess when I think of him, I think of that feeling maybe. I don't don't know. Perhaps, but maybe did you not feel like it it returned, like the feeling of heat and the crowd returned in Rio Goku this weekend. I like, did. And you know what? I was like, they fucking got me again, those motherfuckers, because I've seen, yeah. you know, some amazing <laughs> uh, Akata Naito main events, um, both the ones in the Dome I, I was there for, and they're two of the best matches I've ever seen live. And I was like, these motherfuckers gone and did it again. They've brought me yeah. back with it. I wasn't even excited on the night. I was like, oh, yeah, these guys again. And then I actually watched it play out, and their chemistry is so good. I was like, yeah. fuck, this is... This is where he can be, but I just worry that Naito can't always be that with other people. And he can't. Nah, no, nah. he can't. But this is the culmination of a decade-long story, yeah. and it's a situation where it's he's on the he's on the 
downhill now, mm. but this is his last chance. Yeah. That I, I like it. The gunsling is going to go out for one last one last sure. run, and we saw it with Tanahashi sort of defending the honor of New Japan as AEW mm-hmm. became, and you know, he wrestled. Uh, you know, had, had that epic G1 final against Ibushi and then obviously went to, to beat Kenny. Mm-hmm. And it felt like that was the last run, right? It felt like that was his yeah. last chance to beat. And it was. It's proven to be proven to be that. I feel the same way with Naito. Uh, Tanahashi was 41 when he won. Mm-hmm. That last time, Naito's 41 now when he wins. It feels like yeah. there is that, that finality to this. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to go out, like I said this about this G1, it's 32, man. It's this big tournament. Everyone's, you know, there's been varying discourse in regards to the tournament as a whole. But I'll tell you, in a year's time, two years' time, three years' time, no one's going to talk about the the 32 men that were in this field. No one's going to talk about the, oh, did the 20-minute time on its work or whatever. They're going to talk about the night Naito got knocked unconscious and somehow finished a match. <laughs> he got back up, right? The story of that match, the absolute mad lad, the story of that match is a story about him being concussed, right? That They're telling that story. Mm-hmm. Then he goes and gets shoot knocked out. Somehow turns into sort of like Yoshihiku would somehow like he's getting thrown around at the end by a lifeless body by Will Ospreay, but survives, right? Yeah. And then goes in the next night and tells you everything you want to know about Tetsuya Naito is, you know what? Let's do a story about concussion. How about we do that? I'll come out and I'll start blinking in the lights, you know, as I'm walking out, like, oh, these things I've got maybe. And then we do a standing count, which we link into Okada, that nice bit of like he's not going to let him stay down because he's a prick. Yeah. I just thought that's the type of stuff that these dudes do where it's like, look, I'll take whatever I've got, whatever yeah. is in front, whatever I have, and I'll make something from it. Yeah. And when he wants to go, when he's committed and he's he thinks I've got something juicy to, to tell here, mm-hmm. He can still go. And you just watch that match against Osprey, and people can say, oh, you know, Osprey's a great base, and he is. But I've never, like, how do you get out of a powerbomb into a DDT? There's some flippy stuff that's happening in there that I don't know. He somehow somehow channeled Ricochet halfway through the match. I'm not exactly sure half of the stuff they were doing. Mm -hmm. And yet it, it felt like he was out of control but under control. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I love He always feels a bit like that, it, right? You know? He always feels yeah. like a bit out of fucking control like in the stuff he does. It's <laughs> yeah. a little bit messy. And it feels real, right? Yeah. And it feels like it's a struggle. And mm. when you're in a hot crowd and as Kevin Kelly was sort of saying, that when, they need, when he needs them, the crowd will come for him. They will be there for him. And that idea of Osprey having them early, but when it was when when shit got real, when it came down to the you know the bottom of the ninth, it was an opportunity for him to fight back. The crowd's like, no, no, we're with him. That's yeah. our guy. He's always been and our guy. Yeah, he's always been our guy. And when when it push comes to shove, we will revert back to him. And I think New Japan is in the situation where it's like, look, we've gone through this time. We've got Naito. We've got Sonata to the point where we think there's a story to be told. And the stories of Naito finally getting to that point. And I tell you, if they do it and it's Naito in the Dome and Sonata and they do the roll call and Sonata's somehow involved in any context, and if they somehow, if somehow evil's involved in any way, if they do something, I tell you right now, I may transcend to some ethereal form. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what it will be. I, I anticipate that beyond anything and someone yeah. will come and ruin it. I'm sure Naito will probably book himself to lose. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but I just think for those two nights, Mm-hmm. It was like a reminder of six years ago. It was like it felt like we. I, I hate this rhetoric of New Japan is back. That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like we, we've been following along enough. We know where it's at. Mm-hmm. But it felt like we were calling back to a time to remind us, not in a nostalgic way, but a remind us of what we once were, what we can be. And I think Naito embodies that. Yeah. And I can't wait for him to 
get that thing, get a run with it, and then hand it off to whoever's yeah. the most deserved to take it. Mm. Well, you've talked me so, into it. Nido's my favourite. There we go. It's done. <laughs> that, that was a that was a it's very right. very good. But you've you've actually convinced me. Do we think one eighty? Yeah, exactly. You've just had a Rafe one eighty live. Um, do you think we ever see Nido as a dad, or do you think that with the injuries he's carrying and stuff like that, he'll flame out and he'll just be gone? He'll be like a Chono on commentary or like a Liger on commentary yeah. or whatever. Yes. And he's just not around. Yes. Like he's a Get personality. When he's done, he's yeah. done. He's a personality, <laughs> yeah. but he's not in the ring anymore, right? Like it's like Tanahashi will fucking wrestle until he fucking dies in that ring. But like, yeah, it'll be done. but Nido will just be yeah. done. Yeah, I think that's no, true. I think, I mean, he talked about it, right? He wanted to retire at 40. He's sort of, the, the pandemic perhaps maybe might have ruined a few of those stretched plans. Stretched it a bit, yeah. Yeah, stretched it out a little bit longer. But I don't think he, I don't think he has ambition to, to yeah. stay around. Mm-hmm. No, I think, I think when we're seeing the, we're seeing the last, the last run of Tetsuya Naito yeah. right now, especially if he's having trouble with his eyes again, like he was. Yeah. And they're, seeing, and they're, and they're, and they're probably the setting up Suji to take his spot. Like, and yep. that's, yeah. the, he's passing it off to him and he's moving on and, and that's it. All right, so yeah. L, LVP, we, let's not wax too lyrical on this because we're at the end of the show and we don't want to go off on it. That was just such a fucking good, good uplifting thing and I'm feeling very positive right now, so, and I'm feeling very excited about New Japan. If we just had to drop one person out of this block without too much diatribe about it, mm-hmm. yeah, it, is it uh, Goto or is it Yano? <laughs> It's it's Yano. Uh, it's because, you shut your yeah. fucking mouth. I'll get on a plane. <laughs> no, one Tana gets one more. Tana can't leave until he gets the Nagata story. He needs the conscious story of this is the final run. And I, I pitched an idea that I would love the idea that Tana's going to make if he makes it to the knockout stages, he'll stay. Like this idea that yeah. like it's this idea like I've got to try to improve on where I was last year. If I can't, I, it's time for me to leave. Yeah. I think that would be incredibly emotional and mm-hmm. people would be really behind him to try to get there. Sure. And whoever, whichever heel could deny him would be yeah. incredible. Yeah, or, or, or like Babyface gets to do that like Shawn Michaels, I'm sorry, I love you kind of situation where they put him down finally. Yeah, a kid, you could have a that kid. That shit fucking I, ruined wrestling. Yeah, that I'd shit rather, ruined wrestling because yes. now you get fucking Gargano doing fucking that shit yeah, for thirty yeah. minutes in the middle of a fucking NXT <laughs> yeah. match. Fuck that. Yeah, I, I'd rather. I'd rather. Uh, I'm not sorry. I hate you, Gabe. Kid, just take his head off, and that will end it. Yeah, yeah, fair. Um, yeah, I, I think use it. Put the heat on a heel. That's that's the direction I go. I think. Yeah, Tana. One more. Uh, Yano. Yeah, I think it's time for for that. And and he was booked that way, right? It's, yeah. These guys aren't getting that. And for me, Goto is ageless. Yeah. He he'll be he can keep going as long as he keeps he's, going. He's like the he's, Nagata kind of guy who's just still fucking can go when he's he'll be 100. ten years from now. Yeah, yeah. He'll still be still yeah. be kicking around. All right. Well tell everybody where to find WeWorks this so they can hear you guys really get in depth with this. We've just given you guys a tip of the iceberg of the kind of analysis that you get from WeWork Stiff. The guys will spend a good few hours just <laughs> burrowing into shit, maybe even further than you want to hear it sometimes. But they're yeah, they're going, much, yeah. <laughs> they're going yeah, there. Definitely. It's straight up one of my favorite shows and I never miss it every week. So where do they go oh, to hear everything right. WeWork Stiff? Uh, we can find us on all socials at We Work Stiff at We Work Stiff on X on Twitter on all the other places. Uh, we're available wherever good and bad podcasts are found uh, via We Work Stiff. Uh, Spotify is the easiest place to find us. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I think that's where they find us, Dave. 
that I gotta I gotta give a big up to your Twitter game, bro. I steal so many jokes from you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I, I think that's that's a, that's a great compliment. I'm, I'm pleased. Like, uh, look, I Twitter community is great. Like, I understand it's a toxic place that it is. It is, mm-hmm. but you know, during that pandemic era, there were so many people that we were able to connect up. We connected up with you boys through watching this sort of stuff. Uh, it's you know, if you told a young me that there was a platform that you could engage with pro wrestling fans, pro wrestlers. Uh, around the stuff that we like, um, so I always treat it with that kind of that kind of position where I'm always up for a chat uh, regarding anything relating to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Twitter's where you find us at WeWork Stiff. I'm happy to have a chat about these sorts of things, um, and yeah, that's and then it somehow manifests itself into the show, and then back again. It's a it's a big dialogue we have with all the people out there, all our stiffies out there who <laughs> jump on board with us. So um, DM DM your stiffies. No, I didn't say I didn't say that. I did not say that. Um, that's one of the few things that's beneficial of this thing is the DM limits. Thank God for that. But yeah, no, nonetheless, um, uh, yeah, that's where you find us. Thanks for having us. We're really, it's really nice to jump on here, boys. It's yeah, it's been fun. Good oh, vibe. It's been great. I, I, it's awesome. I, I knew we'd all get on well in real life space as well as we do listening to each other's shows and yelling along like we're part of yeah, the conversation. Yeah. You know, it was fun, fun <laughs> yeah, to engage with you guys because I, I think we're we're all of the same mind and I think uh, in this sort of era where we're all kind of liking the same stuff, like who's going to support us more than each other? You know what I mean? So I want, I wanted to interact with you guys. We came together because of like the Super J cast and what they did for, for us. And so I kind of just want everybody to always be interacting and doing things and just continue to grow that community and grow that conversation. So It'd be yeah. great if they followed us on Twitter, wouldn't it? It would be great if <laughs> Have they so still not? Surely you got the follow now or no? Still yeah, I lost it. No, I lost it straight away. Oh, I lost it, uh, too, yeah, one night. flew too close to the sun on wings of wax. Yeah, it was Icarus. Yeah. <laughs> Curtis, you tell the people where to find us. Well, you can find us on the Count Out Podcasting Network. Uh, we are proud members of the Count Out Podcasting Network where you can hear other great shows about different sorts of wrestling, uh, things like Ring Post Radio, where you can get all your, your weekly news brief. Uh, you can listen to Stardom Road, which is a great one if you're wanting to get into Joshi Wrestling, um, Your Dose of Death if you're into the deathmatch scene. Uh, if you'd like to, you can listen to our sister shows, my sister show, the Throw and Dice podcast, which is all about uh, tabletop wargaming, tabletop role-playing, uh, painting miniatures, that sort of stuff. You can listen to Rafe's sister show, uh, the Faces and Fields cast where he interviews independent wrestlers and gets to know them, really drills down into uh, what they are and what makes them tick. It's better than your your average interview. It's, <laughs> it's a getting to know you podcast and you can really become fans of the people, not just their their wrestling personalities. Uh, if you'd like to check out our sister shows, Hot Friends, you can check out the WeWork Stiff podcast. You can check out our Patreon W, uh, it's uh, patreon.com slash countoutpod, where just for five American dollary dues uh, per month, you can get access to all sorts of extra shows from all the creators of the Countout Podcast Network. Five, five dollars gets you a ton of extra shows, not just our extra show, Drop Your Shorts, which we did record a new one of today, where I told a story about my wife puking in the Uber uh, in <laughs> Portugal. <laughs> <laughs> and it was can, a harrowing tale can, let me tell yeah, you guys oh, oh it's a it's a thing it's a whole thing um but yeah you can you can find all sorts of great shows but uh yeah definitely catch up with us on the socials at uh on the a on twitter because i dead name twitter because fuck elon musk uh on instagram at uh 
what is it? Fucking Okada Shorts. There it is. There you Who go. Thunk it? It's all uh, one what word. A it's name. very easy to find at Okada Shorts or check out our link tree, linktr.ee slash Okada Shorts, and that'll show you all the things that relate to our show. Legends, I want to thank you so much for joining us. I want to thank everybody for listening, and you know how it goes. It's rate and subscribe, listen or die. It's keep it right, keep it tight, and most importantly, it's keep it what? Say it, boys. It's for you. It's the shorts. I'm gonna say shorts. <laughs> <laughs> he got it right. Yeah. Keep it stiff. Keep it stiff. Keep it stiff. Keep it stiff. Keep it This has been a Count Out Podcast. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Ring Post Radio is the only show hosted by Ryan 19 and Scotty Edwards that talks about the entire world of professional wrestling. With new episodes coming out every Sunday, there is absolutely no reason to not listen to real, honest wrestling opinions from two crazy maniacs. Have a hot boy summer and listen along to Ring Post Radio every Sunday on the Countout Network.